welcome listeners to episode 58 of the podcast we spend a bit of time in the hobby desk um trying to work that one out uh, tonight we have got uh, the fabulous henry Steele with us so we'll be spending a bit of time in the hobby desk talking to him about his hobby journey uh, and then picking up again with him in the community section to hear all about cult of paint and uh, his current kickstarter which is pretty flipping awesome to be frank um we go into the galaxy of war where ben and i try and remember what on earth has come out there's so much that's been rumored uh so much that's been previewed uh, and we just lose track of what's going on um then into the mortal realms where it turns out that uh, you know a, a slightly suspicious looking lady with half the body of a snake is not to be trusted and we talk about Morathi, which is pretty cool um then we we've already said into the community sections hear more from henry and then lastly out into the wilds where everything's just got a little bit smaller uh, and i talk about Warmaster. guys thank you ever so much for joining us sorry about the big gap again um busy busy times hope you're all keeping well uh, and we shall go on to the hobby desk Hi guys, and uh, welcome to episode 58, just taken five minutes trying to work that one out, um, and our hobby desk. And we are joined with the legendary uh, Henry Steele from Coal of Paint today, which is an absolute pleasure. Nice to see you, Henry. Hello, Ben. Thanks for having me on. And about oh, legendary. Oh. You know. Pope absolutely. of Painting. Pope of Painting. That's, that was what we said the other day, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> The paper painting. That was, that was a good gift, though, wasn't it? That it was, was a great <laughs> gift. It was a great gift. But I was chatting about how to do rust, and Henry was like, "Oh, do it like this." I was like, "Oh, sweet!" And then he just sent a gift of the Pope going along in his little <laughs> mobile, like waving, which is where the paper paintings come from. Oh dear! So with the armored screen, yeah. yeah, with the armored <laughs> screen, yeah. Three <laughs> D printed armored screens, yeah. Yeah, three D printed armored screens. We can do that now. Dan. Yes, we can. <laughs> So um, I thought it'd be ace, Henry, if we started off by just a quick run through of your, you know, stealing from Wade Price completely. Uh, you know, how did you get started in the hobby? <laughs> um, same as I think many of us of our age uh, into it when I was around end of primary school time, start of secondary school, probably someone's mate's older brother or something like that. Can't remember exactly. Um the thing I always think when I look back on it is I was only really into it for like two or three years before I sort of got busy with other things. But it feels like it was a way bigger part of my childhood. <laughs> like, because I, I think I, I, I got into it 40k as we know it, like Second Ed, I think had launched the previous year. Mm. And I, I was, uh, well, I'm a fantasy, the, the Goblins High Elves one. Yeah. The, 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 sorry, my puppy's making lots of noise. I'm sorry if that's coming through on the on the mic. Um, the 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 dreaded like spear goblins that just stuck into your hands as you put your hand in the box and things. And I was only so in the easy. hobby. <laughs> yeah, I was only in the hobby until one year into the next edition of fantasy, so the Bretonian Lizardmen one. 
and mm. that was it that was out of the hobby then but it feels like it was forever um but yeah sort of loved the specialist games particularly i, I played a lot of gork and walker uh necromunda uh, epic 40k uh, that was the one I still played when I was sort of out of the hobby. I'd go around my best mate's house and occasionally we'd just drag it out out of his loft or whatever and, and have a game of it. Um, and then, yeah, then got back in. I was I was working in Germany. Um, wasn't any internet or anything like that. Went to a bookshop and they usually have English language uh, books in a lot of German bookstores. And I saw uh, the Eisenhorn trilogy omnibus <laughs> thing. And I was yeah. like, that's a nice fat book. I like for, you know, I, I used to love, whammer like i'm that's that'll keep me going and just at the end of it it was like oh coming soon the horus heresy and dan abnett horus rising i was like oh okay cool um and that was it really back in <laughs> um the first few years was just podcasts books dawn of war that type of thing like i didn't actually buy some models and get back into it for a good few years uh, i was just moving around a lot um and then yeah got back into it got quite into painting and then <laughs> quit quit my job and decided to try and go full-time full-time hobbying um, as you, as so, you yeah. do <laughs> as you do right <laughs> i'll tell you what dan uh, abner's got yeah. a lot to answer for because uh, mm. you know i know oh, uh, I, I remember i was it, it, at, the, at the time when i was just podcast listening to podcasts and things like that they'd only just sort of started up so it was things like um pod hammer and uh Healing Hammer, Bad Dice, those sorts, sorts of ones. Mm. And I was working in Nottingham, like just on a job for a couple of days. And I was like, oh, sorry, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Whammer World. And at the time I was still like firmly in the hobby closet. Um, and just, they, I went into the Whammer one. It was back when the exhibition hall was just that small room. Mm. Um, and they had a, a an exhibition in the middle of um, a load of artwork from whatever the edition of fantasy would have been at that time. Um, and it just had like loads of Carl Kapinski, Adrian Smith. Um, oh my goodness. What's the other guy who did loads around that time? Paul Dainton, people like that. And that's, that I think is what really drew me back into it. It, it was a much grimmer, darker feel to, to both fantasy and 40 K than when I left the hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really tickled me. Like that was that there was a real sort of inspiration. A real oh my god, that art's cool. Like what's all that about? You know, I, I want to get in on this. Um, so Karl yeah, Kapinski yeah. is 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 one of my favourite all time yeah. artists, and his sketch work is mm. just outstanding. He manages to capture the nuance of being a, a human being in that in that world so so easily do you do you follow uh him on social media i do yeah, yeah it's, i love his is oh, he's always putting tons of stuff up isn't he um I watched him do a sketch with two pens one in each hand a couple of months ago <laughs> and i just couldn't even begin to understand how a person has the talent to cool isn't it to do it with both yeah. hands at the same time it's just outrageous <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so you mentioned um, that that was it. Sorry, I was going to say you, you mentioned that you decided to quit your job and go full time. So what <laughs> did you start off doing? Because obviously now we know hobby hobby wise paint. Yeah. yeah, no. What what did you start off doing uh, when you quit your job? What was it you were doing? Was it commission? Painting? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, commission painting and, and cult of paint and uh, the sort of the nu- the nucleus of cult of paint. 
Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just felt it was a good time. I didn't have really many commitments and I had a very supportive partner. So I was like, right, let's do it. Um, I can't recommend commission painting to anybody. Unless you want to annihilate your hobby buzz. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and work for an, it's more like pounds per hour job. Um, but no, nah, it was good. It, it, it got, it got things moving. I think you learn a lot doing it as well. Uh, and certainly things I learned commission painting, I use regularly when I'm teaching, you know, I, I mm. think it, it gives you a, yeah, it just gives you a good grounding in, in what it's like, you know, how, how do you get things done efficiently? What matters, what doesn't matter. And I've always, it's something I felt quite strongly about before we taught, but it's something we now make a really big thing of is this idea of army painting and that army painting is a, is a skill in and of itself. It's not a lesser thing than display painting. No, you know, a, a, a someone who can paint good looking armies. I, I have huge respect for because it's, it's really hard. Um, and uh, I, I love it. Like, don't get me wrong. I love going and see Golden Demon and things like that. But for me, like, yeah, go, going to events and, and seeing fully painted armies is, is what it's all about for me anyway. Um, and there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of interesting techniques and skill sets. But also I think there's a lot of theory behind becoming better at army painting, I think, which is, is what we look at on classes a lot. I mean, Dan came on a class years ago that i was teaching which which touched on army painting sort of um what's the tools to have in your army painting arsenal well yeah yeah. Um, open my eyes to weathering as a as a definite um i I painted an iron warriors uh rhino that's when i first one um, of the finest choices (laughs) that's uh when i first came across you and your your skills um i think you bought the was, is it no it's not a shadow sword what was it stormblade here he is hey. sorry i'm sure yeah stormblade there it is oh wow oh well there it was it's just fallen off <laughs> i think the week after i we i'd done well at golden demon with it i, I took it to a class firestorm games and I got, it might even have been your uh, the class you're on dan and i got there and i opened the boot of the car and it just fell straight out oh, <laughs> no. i knew like crack the nose of blade i was like oh well i haven't got to worry anymore like it's done now it's like it's like when you get a new motorbike just drop it just hurry up and drop it and then you'll stop worrying about <laughs> worrying about doing it <laughs> that was that way it was at firestorm and yeah. you did have that with you I, uh, but yeah, weathering <laughs> was the one. And actually, I think I still think now this the Salamander's army mm. that I went on to paint. I know that's mm. a bit of a, a different choice to the Iron Wars, but the Salamanders I went on to paint from after that. I still think one of my most enjoyable army projects, and and doing things like the um, heat bloom on weapons yeah. and, and and on exhausts, doing yeah. the little exhausts and stuff. Which the uh, the Demios Rhino just lends itself Perfect to really it. nice. Yeah. You know yeah. that stuff was was just gold. I still use all of that stuff yeah. and airbrushing and yeah, good. yeah it was man. really good. It's a good, and I'm still you know I've been teaching that class for years now. Years, it's obviously it's evolved, but um, still at the core of it is is, is a lot of those a lot of those techniques. Um, missing it, can't wait to get back to doing it. 
it's incredible the consistency i think like it you know people turn up of all different levels yeah and consistently put out some really cracking yeah. looking stuff i think that's that's a really interesting part of that class as well actually i mean i remember i, I we did it um cheltenham we were doing it in, and and we had on one of the tables we had a guy who a slayer sword winner but he never airbrushed but he's a slayer sword winner and we had a guy who just got into the hobby like these were the first models he was painting and they sat next to each other um and end of day one you wouldn't have been able to tell who who was the golden demon like players or winner? End of day two, you could a bit because his brush skills and his his knowledge showed through a little, but it still wasn't like a if they'd both just been given a hairy brush, you know, and three paints and a and a whatever twenty eight mil model. Like it was it was it was really cool to see, and I think that's something with with army painting as well is that you you don't have to, you you can be a very good painter. You don't have to be an excellent painter. If you're a good painter and you understand the processes involved in in whatever army you're painting, you can make a phenomenal looking army and it's not going to look significantly different to someone who is an excellent painter doing the same. Because nobody, as far as I'm aware, nobody paints an army to the same level as they paint display models to. It's just no. not doable. You know, it's, it's just certainly not in a, not in a realistic and i i'd argue as well that i don't think i don't necessarily think it would be a better looking army i think if you start putting that level of detail and light sourcing and all that kind of thing in, into it, every single model i wonder if you end up getting a bit messy it's like when you see people paint terrain as if it's a display model or something and you sort of put it on the table and all of a sudden, oh, where's the model? What's, what's the, you know, you almost want, I anyway think you want the terrain to sort of just blend, blend into the background, you know, just yeah. provide that. And, and GW produce such ridiculously detailed <laughs> terrain, you know, like the temptation is there, right, to paint every detail. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I remember cleaning up the spruce for the new Necromunda, uh, no, the new Mechanicum scenery. Mm. And it, it took me the best part of... <laughs> Eight hours to clean one set and i was like this is this is ludicrous it's yeah. <laughs> absolutely ludicrous mm. i'm a lot more heavy-handed with it now and just hope that the weathering covers up all the yeah, i think so let let the model do the work kind of thing mm. i'm a definitely a big fan of that so what what are you um i know we were talking the other day about trying to find something to work on at the moment have you got something of your own you're working on at the moment nah, i just having a bit of a crisis at the minute it's a bit of a bit of a hobby crisis. I've sort of got got three maybe AOS ideas in mind. A bit of Warcry. Um, it's a tough one. I've got these thirty k Dark Angels. It's all it's all there waiting to go. I've always wished I was like you know like Ben. You've got your Space Dwarves that you're just mad on, and and Dan, you've got the every core model eight times and all the rest of it. <laughs> um, like I wish I I wish I had that for an army but i just don't i just like basically all of them quite a lot um so it's 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 tough like it's really tough i found gaming's helped me a lot with that um actually and it was never something i did a huge amount because i used to move around so much with work but yeah actually having like reasons to to paint forces for has been good 
Not I just things to, like, you know, sit on the shelf. Things like Warcry and Underworlds mm. give you a, a good opportunity now to to do a project that has got like a really definitive endpoint. Yeah. Rather Definitely. than starting if I start a Space Marine Army, there's every chance that my brain will tell me it needs to be a company within about a month. Yeah. And then and I'm stuck in doing the <laughs> thing for like the next two years. Yeah. yeah. I like oh, everything I'm seeing about the new edition of 40k. I'm really liking um and particularly like the size of the the forces. Mm. Um, you know, it, it to me it's the the back of a white dwarf in the 190s, early 200s. That's an army. The back page of that, whatever that is, that's about right. You know, when a, a Lehman Russ was a terrifying thing and a centerpiece. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the sort of... And that's how I'm hobbying now. Like I said, I'm in a bit of a crisis. Things are still occurring. But, you know, my Dark Angels Primaris, it's just going to be a Primaris version of what I wish my army had been back when I was a kid. You know, yeah. so it will just be a a couple of squads, a dreadnought, a tank, and and some characters. And like you're saying, Ben, like trying to almost find something to copy from the past and gives it that definitive like endpoint. Yeah. Um, to to do it with, um, I was chatting. Uh, was on um Vince Venturella's show yesterday, and we, we were chatting yesterday or day before i can't remember We've done quite a lot of interviews for the kickstarter um but uh but yeah which it was i can't remember the point i was making now but we're just talking about um oh sometimes things can be a bit too sandbox yeah um you know it's it's quite nice uh no i'm not full rivet counter but it's quite nice <laughs> a bit of structure right um, yeah it, I, I, that's one of the reasons i think that um i've always been quite taken with the space marines is it's because mm. you can approach it from a, you know, there's almost always going to be a maximum realistically that you mm. can ever paint. I know that's ridiculous. It's a thousand models, but, <laughs> but you, you know, my point is, I suppose that if you were to pay an or, paint an orc army, you could, you could fill every, the floor of every room in your house and you could still say it was just a quarter of a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. there's no end point to that yeah um, yeah exactly whereas you can actually turn around and say yeah i've painted a company or a demi company or, yeah. or whatever yeah definitely i think as well i quite like as i said i've never really been a gamer but i'm beginning more and more to see the value in in painting to a list um i certainly the last few armies i've done have been very heavily themed um because that's why I enjoy narrative gaming is how I like how I like to game. Um, but sort of going, right, this is going to be a Zone Mortalis force. You know, it's going to be based around, I don't know, uh, the red-marked Ultramarines, and it's a 1,000 points, tax force, that's it. There's, 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 there's almost a weight off your shoulders when you, <laughs> when you go, okay, great, I know what I'm doing now. Let's, mm. uh, let's get started. Um, rather I think than, gaming yeah. can be such a great motivator. Mm. But- yeah. Uh, it's funny because um, one of the things we'll often talk about is, you know, which is your favourite game? And genuinely for me, that I mean, I love Warmaster, as we we, we know, um, but it's whatever I'm playing, what I'm actively mm. doing at the time, I, I just get really excited about it. Um, yeah. uh, you know, for a long time I've said I, I really like Age of Sigma, I really like it, but actually when I think about it, the big reason that I'm so into Age of Sigma is because that's what I play. I've played a lot mm. um, of Age of Sigma. If I w- 
was to start playing for. I mean, I played one game of 40k over in um, uh, uh, over in Crossbow House, mm. and I was like, "Oh, this is amazing!" and <laughs> really liking that. So yeah, it's it's great to play. I yeah. God knows what's going to happen when I play some Warmaster because I'm already so flipping <laughs> souped up over it. <laughs> it's but it's great, mental. isn't it? That that enthusiasm is. I think that's what I was saying. Is like I I could I could genuinely enjoy painting any army for any of the GW games, warbands, yeah. whatever. Underworlds, I wasn't that taken with. Played quite a few games of it. It just doesn't tickle me. Like it's it's too board game for me. I need something a little bit more immersive, visually and uh, and all the rest of it. Um, but all the other ones, yeah. Could, could quite happily do it so it almost needs that uh enthusiasm from someone else to 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 go which one's it going to be which one's it going to be ah great that right let's go you know yeah. and uh and, and that can be yeah cracking which is yeah i say Warcry had had a couple of games with with chris and was like this is brilliant like i get this there's a nice project but you know and it's got a, got a reason to do it and and you know who knows and now I might have got more than one warband. <laughs> <laughs> the lovely thing about Warcry as well, though, is like it it's quite reasonable. You can do a warband and your terrain set. You mm. you can do the whole package and it's not like massive, it's not insurmountable. Mm, I mean, are you lying to yourself there? Is yes. it I mean it's it's one of the biggest gateway drugs GW do. I feel like this crusade system is is just utterly brilliant because it's that I sort of feel like if you were a competitive player, then the sort of things we're talking about probably weren't an issue. Um, you know, you yeah. knew the list you wanted, so you bought the models, you rattle canned them or you commissioned them or, or some people like to paint them as well. But, you know, it was always with a view to, they knew what they wanted and, you know, they yeah. knew how to get there. I always found like from a narrative point of view, it was, it would always be quite hard to build an army narratively, not just because of uh, some, some. I think it's the size of it, right? Like it's very easy to build a narrative warband, mm. and then I think it's very easy to build a narrative enormous army, like you were saying, Ben, like a, a space marine company and yeah. things like that. But it's a, you know a typical game of forty k. Now, bear in mind, I dropped out of forty k around seventh ish. Um. A typical sized army in those that edition was an odd thing to try and build narratively. Yeah. Um, you know, there'd always there'd be too many things for it to be like an Inquisitor's private army, but there wouldn't really be enough for it to feel like an army. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I've always loved the smaller scale stuff, like the epic scale, like ten mil. That that to me is that, that if I want to play with more than say four or five tanks at most, I'd, I'd rather play epic. Yeah. You know, um, and 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 the same sort of the same with Warmaster. Like I, I loved old Warhammer Fantasy. I adored it, but the eighth edition, the unit sizes were silly, and and I didn't want to paint models of that quality to the standard I felt they should be painted to essentially just be chaff, like to just be you know, yeah. <laughs> off the table with a trowel, right? <laughs> so Warmaster would be would be perfect uh, for that type of thing. But I really feel like Crusade's sort of given a slight framework now to, to building a narrative army. Yeah. Um, it's just enough little 
pointers where it's not yeah do whatever you want sort of you know aos <laughs> year one and you're like well okay uh yeah. a bit more, bit more i'd love it. to do i mean we were talking about doing crusade until mm. uh covid hit us again mm. um it's there's just everything is so awesome right mm. now and we talk mm. about this a lot it's just there's just so much going on um i i think the big thing is it, you could be into one game and yeah. there'd be enough to keep you excited and engaged yeah any one of them like yeah even aeronautica you, you could you could quite easily definitely yourself i had that with titanicus for the last what 18 months two years since it's dropped that's been the game i've played in collect and, and yeah you're exactly right like there would always be something to look forward to every couple of months yeah um yeah and you know it worked. It worked well. But I think I think what we were saying earlier about if if you've got a gaming group or a hobby group, I think I think that's for me that's going to be the trick. Is it's it's riff off other people, do those communal projects, those ideas, you know. And if you are in a group that's quite scatterbrained and loves all kinds of things, that's fine, right? Okay, we're doing Warcry, right? We're going to do Warcry for two months. Great, then it's done. Next thing done next thing done <laughs> you know and just just keep going that's that's my plan anyway so dan does that he buys it and then sells it and then <laughs> buys it and then sells it <laughs> now i can print it <laughs> and then sell yeah. it <laughs> no i can't sell it i'd be in trouble then i'll have to give it Wait, away that is <laughs> i just drive down the road i can sit in the back of henry's potemobile just flinging models like yeah. confetti Mate, we'll get in my van. We'll, it'll be yes. like an ice cream van, but for but for hobbyists. No, that can never happen. That can never happen. Because I've got full electric hookup in it, mate. We can just we can have them have them we on the go. We can have them printing as we go yeah. down the road. What yeah. music would you have playing on a on a hobby hobby ice cream? Well, it could be could be classic rock, hasn't it? I mean, it's got yeah. to be essential, you know. All, all the all the man-childs would be running out of their houses, yeah. waving their yeah. wallets. <laughs> Power ballads <laughs> screaming out of, the, out of the speakers, yeah. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. We should, um, we could get a, I, when I, went, I went to download one year and saw ACDC and when they did um, a whole lot of Rosie, mm. that one they had. When the train come through. The, yeah, the train. Yeah. And they yeah. had the blow up inflatable Madness. Rosie. We could have that Madness. going on. Yeah. On the back with a bit of ACDC, yeah. that would be ace. Inflatable. That, that, that was a ridiculous download when a when a band brought their own stage. Main stage. Yeah, it was quite something. Yeah, was that the one where at the end it, the downpour was just insane? Yeah, yeah, it was that. Yeah, one. yeah. It's, it's the one where like because of ACDC we had like four bands on on the first day. Yeah, the entire budget and everything just gone <laughs> on ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were very good. They, they were, were very good. Very good. <laughs> But that oh. was that's a good tangent that one yeah yeah <laughs> better than cream teas <laughs> which we've done uh, we're not getting into them i oh my i've got a bit of a battle going on with my uh my stepdad because he's from devon and he he puts the bloody um cream on first so and then he he trolls me he sent me a devon car sticker the other day to put on the back of my car um <laughs> no <laughs> no i'm not having that what am i like We've got henry Steele here and i'm chatting about cream teas i, I pastries 
dessert cream teas i'm all over that <laughs> my wife wow. is a phenomenal baker i'm very lucky really okay well i think uh once the hobby group gets going again oh yeah she's already she's already offered yeah good times that's it will that's, be yeah it will be i'm getting on hammer stay for the eating yeah. <laughs> My wife's baking something downstairs and you're chatting about cakes. I'm sitting here like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> We've got the Chris- Christmas cakes are sat on the side right now, which I'm not allowed to eat for six weeks or whatever it is. Yeah, what is not, that not, Well, because they've got to get three Fed litres of rum soaked yeah, into the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No cake and my rum's disappearing. <laughs> That's outrageous. It really so is. Just, um, <laughs> just briefly then... Um, Ben, obviously you've been doing a load of sculpting. So do you want to talk a little bit about that for your hobby desk? Yeah. Um, so it's I've been doing I've had quite a busy couple of months actually. So um I've been rattling through my Space Wolf, I'm gonna call it the mega batch, but um I a bit off too much. I really did with that. Um <laughs> If it had been any other army... Made a terrible mistake. (laughs) I did. If it had been any other army, I'd have been able to smash that that quantity out without much trouble. But because it's a Space Wars, every time I did a colour, I was like, oh, I need to do another highlight on that or another highlight. And I just ended up just bogging myself right down. Um, And then you started going back and bringing other ones up to the level of those ones. It's it's ridiculous. Anyway, so what I what I started to do this month is just peeling off units, finishing that unit, peeling off another unit, finishing that unit because they're all up quite a long way. Um, they've got most of the, the armor color done, the red, yellow, the leathers, all of that are all kind of there. They just need sort of finishing off. So I've started peeling off units, and I'm really happy with how they've been coming out. Um, but I sort of I just sat there and just getting more and more into space wars. One of the problem. The problem is when you're in a project and you're on... so I mean, social media is this amazing source of information mm. all the time. Is If you get stuck halfway through a project and you, you're you on Instagram and you see someone else doing something similar and you're like, God damn it, that is exactly as I want mine to look. And I'm So you start trying to modify what you're doing a little bit. but It can be a bit I, demotivating, can't it? Like, it yeah, it yeah. can. Um, and I, I put these walls together like... Oh, it must be the best part four years, five, maybe even six years ago, um, way, way back. Um, so there's lots about the way I've put them together that I definitely wouldn't do now. Um, but I haven't sort of added any of my own personal touches to them. And I came across um, Valbjorn, whose um, uh, Instagram account is basically just sculpting space walls mm. um, and just watched all of his videos in an evening because... Yeah they're fantastic they're really brilliant and um i thought well you know i'm moderately okay with green stuff i can fill gaps and do furish and do all these so why not just give it a shot and so i did and i i now currently have one two three (laughs) four five six seven eight nine ten works in progress on my desk um and three finished one and i'm really chuffed with that i mean it just i can't it just kind of opened another door I, i don't know if you guys have ever had a moment in the hobby where you're like damn it what, you know why didn't i walk through this door like mm. a decade ago and <laughs> <laughs> um, why is it taking That's, me this long? couldn't have done that a decade ago but yeah <laughs> i yeah so i'm 
and I'm just, just over the moon with how people kind of responded to them. It's like, oh, they're fab, mate. They're fab. I, I wasn't aware of Val Bjorn and, and until you'd pointed me on to the end. As soon as you, because I, because I, I, you know, I've followed you guys for since the podcast started and stuff, and I knew you were both good hobbyists. But yeah, you you pumped out these green stuffed walls recently and it was like oh ben's leveled up like you know it's, it's always exciting when you see someone you know moving moving yeah. up that night and then you said oh it's this i've just literally just watched this val bjorn thing and done it and i was like really um and then yeah gave it a watch and i was like this is fantastic so yeah i think it may even get me out of this hobby funk a bit i'm really tempted to i bought a caradron army to do uh, just before lockdown, me and Andy were going to do like a Taylor Gamers thing, him with a Lumineth and me with a the Caradron. And obviously, unfortunately, lockdowns completely killed any momentum with that. Yeah. But I'm really tempted to do them, but do them all bare heads and sculpt, <laughs> sculpt beers on all of them, basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's what's in front of me right now, actually. So, I'm quite, yeah, quite, quite tempted. But he's, he's, I don't know. Like I've watched green stuff tutorials before, and and fur, and uh, like you say, like that's I think fur's one people start with a lot, isn't it? But mm. he just uh, just the way he talks through it, and then you you watch him do it all in real time. Yeah. Um, and you're like, oh, it's it's fine. <laughs> like it's perfectly yeah. doable. <laughs> I, I think green stuff has got a real mystique about it, or, or sculpting mm. has. So you, mm. it just feels like a such. A door because I suppose it's because when I started, you know, you, most people sculpted with milliput and it was mm. crap. Mm. Uh, and then green stuff became available and you sort of tinkered a little bit. But the, the sculptors were all the always the people who you idolized. They were like mm. the really high level hobbyists. It was this yeah. unachievable thing that as a, as a new hobbyist you're like, oh, I want me to. to and when I was watching his videos, I think this thing in my head clicked that this is just a process. This mm-hmm. is just a process and it's just like painting that, you know, you don't have to sculpt the whole thing when you sit down in one go. You can put a bit on, like, you know, I don't know, the thong for the wolf tooth necklace and then just walk away, let that dry and then stick the things on it. So you don't have to worry about smushing the other bits. And mm-hmm. and I, I just sort of, it all clicked in my head that, you do it you do it in the same way as you would layer a model <clears throat> you layer your green stuff mm. um and i think yeah i, I just i thought his videos were really fantastic um mm. sometimes it, it you come across a, a video um that just makes makes everything seem so much easier and that was it for me do you think the do you think the wolf stuff's actually quite a nice um like entry point to working with green stuff as well though because it is that that bit messier and yeah. organic you know uh, shapes and things rather than going straight in and trying to do a loincloth or a or a cloak or or yeah. re-sculpt a part of a model you know yeah, um, yeah. it's a bit like if you want to do converting do some orcs yeah 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 you know i absolutely think that because you know, one of the things I've started to try to do this week is sculpt the little the little wolf heads um, that you see on like the back of gloves and stuff, and uh, the little wolf skulls. And um, on that that berserker dude I've been doing, I've mm. sort of greaves. I've, I've tried to do various different forms of wolf heads and skulls, just as almost as like a practice piece. And because they're a kind of defined object, 
like a skull. Mm. It suddenly becomes a whole lot harder because you're trying to copy a three-dimensional shape that there's little nuances to that, that it can go from looking like a skull to looking like something ridiculous. And, and then you just move something a little bit and you're like, oh, well, there it is. <laughs> um, and I'm sure there's a process, but and I have really, I've looked around loads this last couple of weeks as if there's tutorial videos on you know, how to do these things in steps because I think mm. once you've learned the process, you can then sort of mm. fine tune the process and, and, and stylize it to yourself. But that's a hundred percent. I mean, that's something we've, we've always looked at with classes. You, you don't want, what you don't want is someone to go away from the class only knowing how to paint. I don't know the leg of a space Marine red using these three paints or, yeah. you know, I only you know, like Dan only going away knowing only how to paint a salamander's rhino, you know, uh, and, and that always used to bug me when people would be like, Oh, what do I do with the dreadnought? Or what do I do this? And you're like, well, it's this. And, and when I had the chance to, to really take the class on and, 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 and modify it, it's this, it's just give people those tools. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden they do just need a recipe, like you say, or, or, a, or a simple pr- process. Mm. Um, one of the things I've started doing recently is a private tuition uh, program where essentially it's army painting consultancy where I work on the project with someone from the get go where we figure out the recipes you know, we figure out where we're going to get the bits from, what the build's going to be. Purely hobby, not not nothing to do with gaming at all here. Purely from a painting point of view, um, and then put together the process. Yeah. Um, and then you go right. Which part of, the, of during this process are there any things here that you don't think you're very good at? Or do you think you're weak at? Right. Let's do actual lessons on those. You know, edge highlighting, airbrushing, oils, whatever. Um, and then the person's good to go. Yeah. Um, and I, I think having that like you say having that process to follow is really really helpful yeah absolutely and i I think one of the things that i struggle with with my space wolf army is that it is that the process that i would do them in has changed so many times over the Mm. course of this collection of models that i'm quite i'm quite desperate now to finish ragnar's company which is kind of literally the sort of level of models that I've got in the pile of shape. Um, and then just sort of draw a line under that and say, that's Ragnar's company, circa yeah. Millennium 39. And then have um, a Primaris company, you know, mm-hmm. or Primaris Army. I mean, this is Ragnar's Army, circa 42, you know, something like that. And and have the second edition Space Wolf Army. So they're all probably, then like they could all be on the table together, but they'll all be slightly different because... Mm-hmm. The process will I'd be able to naturally sort of change that, um, but at the moment, every I, I suppose because I've hobbied more over the last four years than I have over the last twenty, um, except for when I was working for Games Workshop. Kind of how I would do things, or my skill set, or my toolbox is is evolving literally every every month almost at some points. Um, that you get to a stage where I painted those Primaris last year and I was dead happy with them. I thought they're, they're like my best models, my Space Wolf Primaris. Um, but now when I'm looking at them, I'm like, yeah, there's so much more That's I need really, to do to them. really <laughs> tough, isn't it? That Like when you level up mid, mid-army mid project. Yeah. So um, weathering actually I think is a really good way of tying in old yeah. paint jobs when you because you can always go back to old finished paint jobs and just do the same weathering techniques that you do on your new ones i think that can really help um 
tie, tie them in kind of a bit. Um, but again, it goes back to what we were saying, like it's those those slightly smaller self-contained projects that there's less chance of that happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So it's kind of the, the drawback from what you were talking about earlier about how you envied Dan and I. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there are massive drawbacks to that, really. But I think you're exactly right with what you're saying is you basically, you have a nostalgia second-ed wolf army. You have a, a, a fourth, whatever, what are we in now? The dark, what's the current first? setting called? Is it dark? It's not the dark Imperium. What's the? What would you describe the current forty k setting? Grim Dark Plus. Post Post Rift. Whatever. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> like uh, uh, you know, a mini marine post Rift army, and then a Primaris army. You know, I think that's really nice separation of of, of projects. I just I just wish I had that. You know, oh, all I want to do is paint Dark Angels, or all I want to do is is this. It's just. Yeah, very envious. Well, you ha- you have to kind of get in that mindset when you you got boxes full of unpainted <laughs> ones, and you, and you just got to soldier through it. Otherwise, it's like I've got, even... you know, I've got a handful of them, but that's the problem. Is it? It goes. I go. Well, actually, no. I do love Dark Angels. Oh, but then I do also really like. You know, <laughs> the thing like, is, though, I love Alpha Legion. So, you know, and then all of a sudden, we're at, the know. thing is, though, Henry, it's 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 a bit like um, it is like love. It it will just happen one day. <laughs> It, it, it it's really weird because I don't know about you you Ben because you you just odd but um <laughs> I, uh, with my corn I never I didn't sit down at a point and think right which army am I going to be really into get them all out go through have a look and decide I just when Age of Sigma came out first everyone wanted to do Stormcast mm. so and we all bought the box set and everyone wanted to do Stormcast. And I was like, fine, I'll do the corn. Fast forward to now, I flipping love corn, and I've got loads of corn. And I, I, I didn't, you know, I can remember when I started in the hobby, I was, I was all about Imperial stuff, didn't like chaos at all. Um, yeah, I, I was the same with Age of Sigma. I, I've always been a high elf player since that, since that fourth edition box set with mm-hmm. the elves and the goblins. But as soon as, as, soon as I saw... The Iron Jaws War mm. Boss. That was me, uh, and I and I painted an army. And now my first love in Warhammer: Age of Sigma is Iron Jaws. I love <laughs> that Mega Boss model. Like I, I, I love the sort of serendipity of it, or whatever it was. Like my, my favorite model from the first time around was Brian Nelson's uh, uh, Orc Shaman, uh, Nascob, wherever it was, the Shaman. Oh, the one with the big staff. Yeah, like with that. the staff, oh, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And, the, and, the, and I think probably still my favourite AOS model is that Mega Boss. Nice. And I love that that is also Brian Nelson was involved, you know, in, in those processes. So I love that it's, you know, 20 whatever years later, more than that, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. But yeah, it's interesting you saying about the, the, the being in. in good guy fans and then ended up loving yeah. loving the baddies I, I mean exactly the same like I, I always prefer playing the bad guys because i never mind losing yeah like, true. never bothers me in the slightest i mean to be honest like winning games is not a key part of my enjoyment of them anyway but i would feel really bad when i lost with like you know some space marines or whatever like oh i've let the chapter down or whatever i've done you know i failed Whereas I'd love to say I love it with the the bad guys. <laughs> I'd love to say that that I shared that and that helped me through, but no, I I I, I, 
I, I go on and on about like I do like narrative gaming and and I do uh, you know the the contract the the gaming contract where you get on well and you know try and be happy and smiley when you're playing but <laughs> and I'd hate to describe myself as a sore loser but I tell you by game three when the <laughs> dice just hate you I'm just getting daggers into the into my opponent <laughs> my partner's like Dan, Dan, it's just a game. Be nice. You know, you don't need to be a... Uh, so, no, I hate losing, <laughs> even with my evil army, which is a shame because I lose a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, no... The, the, the daft part is, though, in casual gaming, um, I tend to do all right. It's just I go to an event and I'm just terrible. I just all make stupid decisions all the time. <laughs> I don't know how people do it. I did a I did a one day Titanicus event over in Sweden, three games, and I was absolutely shattered. Yeah. Like, I do not know how people do like and and that was it was super friendly. There was like eight mm. of us in it. Four of them hadn't read the book, right? So it was this like <laughs> super chilled out, like people just shouting across the room. What happens now? Oh, you know, you know the literally the worst put together rule book I own is the Titanicus rule book. Like I love that game and the rules are great, but the book itself is just the least intuitive pile of words. Um, but at the end of that day, I was absolutely shattered. Like how people do like full on competitive two day. No. Like, when, like Warhammer events. Whenever I've, we've, I think we've done two Warhammer events at, at Warhammer World, um, and both of those, it's like an endurance event. Yeah. This is crazy. Like I'm, I'm a wreck when I come back from a two day class teaching. Like mm. I can only think what it must be like when you're in the big rooms with all the noise and and just yeah, and that that perceived pressure. Um, or I find that I go to events. But it's always usually on day two that I feel worst <laughs> in a right state. Not normally day two. Day. We're having to peel you off the floor of the of the <laughs> elevator. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, I think it's, it is really interesting. Like you saying there, Dan, about you'll just do something and it'll click. And I think I when I got back into the hobby, even during that period where I wasn't gaming or painting or anything the the inquisition were new right to me they they hadn't been there really other than that amazing old ordo malleus terminator dude yeah, but, yeah he was awesome you know it, it was <laughs> you know i came back in via eyes and on this whole grim dark aesthetic that just wasn't there in second edition it was a lot happier you know a lot brighter um and at the time, you know, the, the Demon Hunters book was out, the Witch Hunters book was out, the um, the Grey Knights, yeah, all that was out. And I just started buying them because I was like, these models are incredible. I'm having them. And over the years, I've I've just got this shoebox, which is now a bigger box of all the all the Inquis- Inquisition-type models that have ever come out, be they GW, the odd third-party one, and they've all gone in there. And I've sat on it and sat on it and with this idea in my head of one day when I'm a good enough painter, I'll, I'll do it, you know, when I can do justice to what I've got in my head. And I did about six months ago or so, I felt like I probably am, a, I'm, I probably can do that now. And I got them out and actually they're, they're quite old and I look at them next to a Primaris model or, or um, Andy gave me a box of Battle Sisters which I built and was 
blown away. That's what made me get the Inquisition stuff out. So I built this box of Battle Sisters. I've got me looking at them now. Just I, they're flawless. There's 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 just there's just ridiculously amazing models. Um, and then I got like my old Metal Inquisitor model out, and I put him next to the Battle Sister, and he's like, you know, looking up at her, like, <laughs> yeah. and, and he's like, in Terminator. Yeah. Right? and I'm like, oh, bugger! <laughs> like this, yeah. I've got this massive box of models I don't want to do, and it doesn't mean that I don't think they're wonderful, but I'm really not sure what to do. So I think, I think maybe I just need to suck it up and do this Inquisition project that's been in my mind for. 12 years or whatever now wouldn't that be such a lovely crusade force though yeah like starting out with the inquisitor going to a planet with a few little acolytes and then they start as they realize what's going on and that the space walls are heretics they just start drawing in more (laughs) (laughs) more more forces it was when chris sort of was on a few episodes ago and this is before i'd met chris and he was talking about his his heinously like traitorous inquisitor oh uh, yeah no um, <laughs> and i was just sat there and i was sat there doing this inquisition like taking them out of the box listening to the show and stuff and i was just raging at this this the gall <laughs> of this this guy <laughs> and then find out that he's you know he was in part of this gaming group that we, we, we were looking to have in bristol so now this talk of oh we're going to do crusades and stuff there is that nucleus now of going right i'm going to build some nasty hardline inquisitor like proper you know, puritanical, monodominant, Chris. <laughs> you know, yeah, just to go after this Dorian Gray mother, whatever he is, you know, like meddling about with bits of Eldar and, you know, all this, all this sort of thing. Um, and that's it. And maybe that's all it needs, you know, is that, okay, let's, let's just paint that squad of battle sisters and Inquisitor model and maybe five Red Hunter Space Marines or five no, Black Templar Space Marines probably. Yeah. <laughs> my um my favorite thing about that uh at chris's inquisitor force was because he started that uh as a because of, of ben you were doing like a narrative obscure um narrative yeah, one, campaign. one day when covid's over we might we might that do that but my, my favorite moment was in the paint one of the chats when Chris was like listing what he wanted in his Imperial Army, and one of the things was a Catan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure like Marcus or Ross were just like, that can't go in an Imperial Army. <laughs> it was so good. I just mm. love it. Do love you, it. I'm sure you do follow Iron Sleep, um, Henry. Yeah. They've yeah, got yeah. a project on at the moment. Um, which I think they're calling just simply Old Hammer. And mm. I some, I've kind of come to the conclusion over the last sort of 12 months that there are there's some Old hand, Hammer models and ranges that fit really well into the modern range without any effort, really. So, like, like for example, goblins and orcs, really, you can put them into yeah. whatever, you know, whatever era of models you're painting. But then I think sometimes, I think we were, we were talking off air, that one of the projects I want to do for my kind of hobby anniversary as it were is to paint the space wolf ragnar mm. blackman army from the original space Wolf codex because it's it's just awesome and that's that's the kind of army i looked at and went i, I want that in my life and still the best looking codexes of any edition yeah so bright and yeah. colorful yeah. just phenomenal and um i kind of came to the decision actual realization that trying to shoehorn older models into mm. modern ranges 
you've got to have a good look at it and think, is that is that going to work or is that not going to work? And if it's not going to work, I think doing what Iron Sleep's done and just saying, I'm going to paint an old hammer regiment and this is going to be a, a thing that's separate and from that time. Um, 100%, yeah. I mean, it's my it's not, I suppose, a dirty secret, but it's, it is my sort of hobby mistress. So whilst I'm sort of dithering and worrying about all these, what do I do with to push my painting or what do I do for new 40K and Warcry, all the time in the background, I'm just quietly ticking along with a, a sixth edition Empire army for, for <laughs> you know, Warhammer Fantasy Battles. And, and I've just took out my uh, fifth edition Bretonnia. You know, that those that will always be my love, I guess. That's, you know, fa- fantasy. I've never really been into sci-fi that much. Um, you know, I read Dune and loved it, um, unsurprisingly, because it's basically 40k uh, or a precursor to 40k and then i think the reason i loved 40k so much was that it's not sci-fi is it it's it's space fantasy yeah um so yeah fantasy will always be that love but i i really like i think like we were saying a minute ago i like the distinct project idea so you know this the sixth edition empire thing that's because i wasn't in the hobby during that time more time and and all of that but the aesthetic of that era i'm in love with i i I love grim grim dark warhammer i think is just amazing and and again it's all down to carl kapinski paul dayton adrian smith it's it's that artwork and that's all i'm looking to try and get get across a similar vibe so i'm not pushing any painting with these at all they are you know base color a wash probably or I don't use a lot of washes in in that sense, but you know it'll be a sort of a base, a highlight, and something, and that's it. It's done. That's all. It, all it needs to be. But the sort of judicious choice of models and the background to it is is all I need from that project. The fifth edition Bretonnia is a challenge because that will be a painting challenge. But again, it's it's they're going to be painted of the time, yeah, which is a lot more paint by numbers. Um, you just got to be really neat and tidy. Um, which is something I always get. It's not necessarily a style I like, but whenever I'm in a bit of a painting funk, I always try and paint something neatly. Yeah. And I find that's a really good way of getting, just getting going again with it. I, I remember um, uh, going up to uh, Wham World for a, a meeting there and, and we, we got to hold a load of the heavy metal models in our hands. And I think until you've seen those models that close, you cannot appreciate just how just precise and clean that paintwork is. Yeah. Um, you know, you see it on blown up on screens and, and and I think a lot of people can be quite dismissive about it nowadays because we've got we can see so many amazing different artists from all over the world on things like Instagram and putty and paint and things like that. I think heavy metal sometimes We've seen that, right? We, we we know what heavy metal is, but you you actually look at them closely and you go, my goodness, like these are phenomenal. Like the the, 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 the that level of precision on them is is amazing. So I think having having those different projects all with a very different paint theme behind them, just like you're saying with your wolves, you know, is is that you know that nice sort of second ed style, you know, old mini marine Ragnar army is going to look very, very different to your new, you know, yeah, <laughs> goblin green base. Yeah, exactly. Like your new, like, you know, God tier green stuff skill, Primaris wolf army. Um, 
it's pretty it's exciting i think that's yeah that's definitely a, a part of the hobby i do enjoy is 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 not necessarily having a style um but fitting the old models in new armies man yeah not my cup of tea i'm afraid like i mm. uh I, I do like now how Primaris are a lot bigger than humans or Eldar, things yeah, like need, that. needed to happen. Yeah. It's been, like, that needed to happen for a while, to be honest. I think, you know, we were all worrying about, oh, the guardsmen are way too big, whereas the whole time what was actually wrong was the Marines were too small. Um, yeah. You know, and they're nicer to paint. Bigger models are easier to paint. <laughs> it's as simple as that, you know. Um, but I think... It's very hard, I find, shoehorning old models now into into the new ranges. I feel they've just come on so far in the last four years, maybe, yeah. with what they're producing now. Uh, and I, not just from a scale point of view, um, but a, a design aesthetic. Um, but yeah. Attention to detail is, mm. I think, as well, through the chair. Yeah. Bit of nostalgia painting, though, yeah, all over that. <laughs> so, I mean... We kind of haven't chatted about you, Dan, and your uh, your foray into contrast and <laughs> ten millimeter. What, yeah. what's, the, what's your quote? Warmaster has been waiting. Warmaster wasn't dead. It was just sleeping, awaiting the arrival of contrast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so I have been painting um, some very tiny skeletons. Uh, and vampires from Forest Dragon, um, the Patreon, Gareth. And actually, it's Henry's fault because he was talking about Warmaster. Um, and it sort of reminded me that I love Warmaster, have this like secret love of Warmaster. And, um, and the thing uh, that held me back from doing Warmaster really was being able to reliably get hold of an entire army's worth of, of things um that that kind of all had the same aesthetic so like you could go to pendraken and get some really nice spearmen for example but then some of the other models might be a bit more iffy uh and that kind of happened across all the manufacturers so then when i saw um gareth was doing the, the wood elves and then the and then the wood elves were cool but because dan has collected wood elves since the beginning of time there was no way I'd be doing wood elves. I mean, literally, that's all he's ever collected. Um, so then when I saw vampires, I was like, right, here we go. Uh, and then I got really excited and was going on about 3D printers. It's funny because, Ben, you were, we were on a get, you were on about getting a 3D printer a little while ago. And I was a bit like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, just recently, I was like, right, this is the one we're getting. <laughs> that's what I want to do. Um, then I got so excited that I just ordered a load of the models that had already been printed because I couldn't possibly wait for the printer to arrive. Um, started painting them up. Yeah, I just love it. I love it. It's so cool. Uh, getting the contrast out. Doing the tiny soldiers. I even get excited. This is really sad. By just getting a load of MDF bases, like Warmaster bases. And just lining them up on the desk and going... Yeah, that's exciting. Um, which is just weird, but uh, and I keep just buying more of them. I've got so many now. Um, Why don't but, you print them? What the bases? Yeah, because I love the smell of MDF. In MDF, it. yeah, it's true. I just bought. I told you that screw fix shelving behind me. 
Oh yeah. Got chipboard on it, but guys, a good smell. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, when I used to work in a warehouse, I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's a bit um, overwhelming if you go to one of the factories. I went to TC Combat a couple of years. I was going to say like salute, like it, salute yeah. is a is a pungent assault on the nose anyway <laughs> yeah. it's one of the strong smells for that is 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 laser cut mdf <laughs> the other thing i've been doing which i haven't done for a long time is scratch building terrain so i've been um <laughs> i've got out the bandsaw and the uh the belt sander um, and the polystyrene, those things go together really well. <laughs> you want to make a mess. Um, but just been doing hills and things um, and watching a lot of the terrain shooter um, who does it. His stuff, I love his stuff. It's 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 just cool and it's, yeah. it's neat and tidy and it looks nice. It's well produced. And um, a long, quite a while ago now, it's been a long time in the making, I backed a Kickstarter for a book um he, he's done a book mm. and that's actually mm. with warlord games now and he's shipping so i'm really excited to get that um it was uh it, it was a bit of a collaboration with him and i think dave taylor yeah um dave taylor did uh was it gone dave about taylor army painted armies book. and legions and hordes book about army painting which i got and i really liked so yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that but yeah just going back and getting out the polystyrene and mm. although the 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 query at the moment is how am I going to do my forests? I yeah. think I've decided, uh, yeah. but I'm just waiting for the trees to turn up because I want to be able to, I want them. That, when you get the ones where the trees are just mounted on bases, they never look quite as good as when the trees are all mounted in to the terrain, but then you've got to be able to move through them. Mm. Have you thought of looking for 3d printed trees? That yeah, oh, you like, have. Yeah. Like so, a molded uh, base. So they look a little bit better when they're sat on top. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they, you did, didn't find any that fan, fancy. Not yet, but I will. Yeah, I saw I've been, kicks... today. I've been printing. Um, so I've printed Dan Wasley the minimum units that he needs for a thousand point <laughs> army. Not not a whole thousand points, but just the minimum choices that you need. And then I printed Ben the minimum he needs for Cromarty Forges Dwarves. Um, so, you know, there's no stopping me now. You absolutely are going to play Warmaster with me, whether you want to or not, because I'm just going to print armies and leave them on doorsteps um, when I get the chance. So it's great. You can fit 500-point Dwarf Army on one build plate on the, uh, on the Mars. Two and a half, two, two, what was it? I think... I think it was yeah, it was two hours and ten minutes it took to print five hundred points of dwarves. Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool, isn't it? Like, how it good is that? It's awesome. It's a Very. perfect scale for it as well. Oh yeah, and and then I was looking on Thingiverse and looking at um, the six millimeter, six to eight millimeter, um, like heresy era space mm. marine type things mm. and stuff like that and, and i think what is so cool about the 3d printing is it gives access to stuff that is not produced anymore yeah. or or it, it you can't you can't get it otherwise mm. um, epic scale space marines are so hard to get i mean mm. it's, they just break off at the ankles so you know getting them second hand 
you're either going to do a lot of repair work on something that is essentially what's tiny, mm. um, or you. Well, and also the trouble with second, I, you know, I, I've bought loads of stuff off eBay over the years, but I think the problem with secondhand is it's it's consistency and and being able to go right. Well, this is what I want for my army, and then just going and buying it. It's like it's that convenience thing that we were talking about earlier about three D printing and 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 having convenience to be able to go into a games workshop and just buy what you know what you want and talk about. But I I don't like the thought of like oh yeah well I'd like you know a company of land raiders, but oh I can only find a company uh, you know half a company and a couple of broken ones on eBay. Yeah. So and that puts me off even starting the project. I'm not patient man. <laughs> Do you think there's a nostalgia element to it as well, though? Because I, I found, like, doing the fifth ed fantasy stuff, like, I want the the genuine models from that era, those casts. You know, if I've got to strip them, if they're covered in enamel paint, then so be it. But the the sixth ed army, because I've I've no nostalgic investment in that whatsoever, I'm looking around, I'm using lots of different companies' kits, um, just to make something super cool because there's not that time. So like, and, and Warmaster's the same, you know, I'm coming at Warmaster again. I, it came out when I was out of the hobby. So I've no real, like they look cool, the old stuff. I think it does look great, but so do these amazing new ones that people are, are sculpting, you know, and, and that level of detail is pretty insane um, on some of them new, new, new sculpts. So it's funny because uh, obviously throughout this, we you guys both talked about nostalgia projects, et cetera, et cetera, uh, on that. But it's not, <laughs> to my shame, it's just not something that I'm hugely about. It's, um, it's dead inside. I'm just heart. dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Win at all costs. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's just not true. No, I. Ben and I joked about it a few times. Like, I have started to feel it a bit. Because Ben is always on, on about it, but I I don't know I just I don't have this desire to go back and have the older bits and bobs. There's a few models that I see and I think oh yeah that would be cool. Like um, the, the Eldar Guardians, which are still the same actually, the ones that I know. Because when I started in the hobby, I really liked Eldar and I wanted to do Eldar, and it was just at the period where they'd stopped making the old ones. But the new ones hadn't come out, the 16 mm. in the box, and they came out. I was like, oh, yeah, they're sweet. They're cool. But, yeah, you, can, you have fun with your nostalgia. Oh, we do. Don't worry about it. It's yeah. okay. I know. I know you do. And it will get me. To be honest, I'm just, I'm just in denial because I know what will happen. I'll get into nostalgia and I'll be the guy on eBay that's paying 79 quid for some random yeah. marine. All right. What about this then? So the Badab Wars, where where do you stand on that? I love the Badab Wars. Right. Yeah. It's the greatest marine on marine stunning story setting. ever told. Right. Yeah. It's brilliant. That's nostalgic for me now that it's, it's mini marines it's yeah that's you know, true, and i don't actually, mean this yeah. and I, I say mini marines it's just what i say to andy all the time i mean i don't mean it detrimentally like the old style marines it's like badab's old man badab's got to be at least 10 years well you know, definitely in denial about more, that. Right? and next year the plan is to do a small badab project but in in the style of the the back of white dwarf 
200 army, you know, tax squad, scout squad, devastator squad, dreadnought, tank, done kind of thing. But that'll be nostalgia. It'll be using all modern miniatures. Like the plan is to use like um, the Space Marine heroes, Marines, you yeah. know, uh, some of the Death Watch, like the newer, like the Devastator kits, decent and things like that. But that's still nostalgia for me now. Like it's it's old enough, even though it's from this time round in the hobby. Um, I think that's got a bit of, bit of nostalgia. It's amazing what is nostalgic, isn't mm. it, in some ways? I think, I think it's it's created a lot of it, hasn't it? I, I read something the other day, an article from saying um like it's been a real uptick in in people purchasing like brands of foods and drinks and stuff that are that sort of nostalgic, you know, like Bisto, Hobnobs, Marmite, all these sort of things during mm. lockdown and then whatever's going on this year. Sort of people resort back to that that whatever it is that makes them feel just oh, it's all right, you know. And I think oh, for me, like yeah, like that <laughs> that that sort of nostalgic safe hobby space for me is that is cracking that dwarf army book open and seeing what filthy unkillable lord I can build with a thousand points worth of runic weapons and armor on him. You know, that's 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 ho- hobby nirvana. <laughs> I uh, I just yeah. <laughs> I absolutely agree, and I really don't want to. That's the trouble. I'm trying not to because I know where this will go. <laughs> and now you've you've mentioned it now, haven't you? The flipping dwarves. I love dwarves, man. Yeah. I love them. And the dwarves from the sixth. Uh, was it the sixth? Which was the edition with the Bretonians and the Lizardmen? Was that fifth? Fifth. That was fifth. So the sixth, sixth fed dwarf dwarves with the book with the guy on the shield mm-hmm. in. In the oh, dark setting, in the, in the underway, yeah. And you could make your own runic weapons, and you could have three runes, but only one could be a master rune, yeah. and only a single master rune on a on one model because they were jealous. And and you oh, still gosh. had the full and I had a load back. of those dwarves, and damn it, sold them. Oh yeah, so no, everything. <laughs> that's that's not that's neither here nor there. I sold. This is this is really. Shocking. I sold my copy of this and I've just bought another one. <laughs> Even oh, you though bugger. did you outbid me on that? I bet you did, didn't you? I quite possibly. It's um <laughs> it was only eight pound twenty or something. Dan's holding up a war master book, by the way. So this was my guilty nostalgic purchase. Oh it's the it's the yeah. edition Warhammer Magic Box. I've I've got that, that one Arts Galore. <laughs> Warhammer Battle Magic and Warhammer Magic yeah. I've got sat up on top of my shelf. But just pure unpunched cards. Oh, it's going to be good. Oh. Saving that for when it's really bad. This <laughs> is me. I got oh, a feeling coming. Your first Warmaster book I gave you because you were into Warmaster and I wasn't, and then you've gone and sold it. No, I bought it. I could. Because I, I bought one of the boxes. I bought one of the boxes because when it came out first, you got like a box with the book and a little starter. I'd around seen there. those those army boxes, yeah, with the book mm-hmm. and yeah, they look amazing. Yeah, yeah, they are sweet. Yeah. So in summary, everything I've said about not really being into nostalgia <laughs> is a total lie, uh, and it's just me attempting to avoid the fact that a I'm old and a lot of the stuff I think oh that's cool <laughs> is nostalgia. Um, <laughs> and B, also not going and just spending an absolute fortune on eBay buying up stuff 
It's hard. Who does that? It's hard. I, the, I can't buy any more stuff. I haven't got any more room. I mean, like in this little tiny. I mean, that's why you're printing game. 10 mil, right? It's because you just can't physically house 28 mil prints. Yeah. 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 I can't even. I dread to think how much money I spent on old Elven models this year. Don't just think don't, about it. Just don't think matter. about it. You, we don't need that kind of negativity in the podcast. Come yeah, on. No, we don't. <laughs> it's fine. I, I think. <laughs> I think on that note, it would be a good time because what we really want to do is we are going to get into the the uh, bones of cold paint with Henry, but we're going to do that in the in the community section. Um, so I think we'll wrap it on the hobby desk because to be quite honest, just chat like this all night yeah. <laughs> would be pretty sweet. Yeah. Because especially now we're getting into what nostalgic stuff and books on the shelf and pulling things off. And we've all got a, like a, a proper hobby space going on. We could be here for another week. And you do have a, a I have many leather bound books bookcase there, don't you? That is a, yeah, it's a handsome looking thing. <laughs> well, Dan, I, like, I love the, sh- the shelf with the heresy books on. It's got it a flexed it, it is definitely flexing yeah yeah <laughs> it's gradually going down uh, i had to have a proper sort out the other day because i just couldn't fit all these books in and, and games which just seem to produce awesome books like titanicus and they just keep coming out the great thing about my book collection though is because i don't really read them they still smell new when you open them so you go, mm. of course the challenge as well is that the games workshop seem to be seem to be seeing if they can make every new book release ever so slightly different sized oh, and days and, and designed oh. to the others so it's, it is challenging on bookshelves and the things, <laughs> like the 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 warhammer logo just sort of varies along the edge so yeah. you're like what yes. is i was what pleased is with my most recent adeptus titanicus book that they've decided to go back to the design four books prior um, <laughs> yes. It is, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? You There's, know, my favourite current system is relegated to the bottom shelf, you know, away from view. <laughs> yeah. of, of the five books that are in there, the first one had the Games Workshop logo on. The next one's then Lol, got the hammer Lol. and eagle. Yeah. Then the next one's got no logo on. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're back to the hammer and eagle. No, and, and then we're back to the Games Workshop. But a slightly smaller font. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which book's that on? Uh, Titan Death. So it's, it's on that one. one. So Titan Death and the Rule Book, which were books one and two, I believe. Oh yeah, Titan Death. Yeah, oh, it's because I haven't got the, the rule books in the box. Yeah, they have a they have a, a, the same old GW logo, but different font size. And on that wonderful example of book printing continuity, we'll call it a day now for the hobby desk. So thanks, Henry. Henry will join us again as we hail to the community. Uh, but for now, join Ben and I in the grim darkness of the far future. Welcome, glorious listeners, to what is absolutely, definitely, 100% not 
the second time we've had to do this because of a technical <laughs> error on my part. Um, clearly, bugs or ghosts in the machine have done that. Do you reckon, Ben? Uh, yes, absolutely. Definitely not your fault. Yeah, absolutely. So what actually happened is uh, there was too much Space Wolf content in the first recording, so I deleted it uh, accidentally. And now we're going to just talk about chaos. (laughs) Oh, no, there hasn't been any chaos, because chaos never get anything. Oh, (laughs) boo-hoo. Guys, so um, exciting times in the Galaxy of War. We have Death Watch and Space Wolf supplements. Yeah. So obviously, I guess, you know, with Ben's passion, we ought to talk about the Death Watch. I mean, Space Force. Oh, I'm a big fan of the Death Watch. I bought the Death Watch one, actually. Oh, have you? Yeah, yeah, I have, yeah. Um, but actually, the Death Watch, Death Watch Codex was the first, um, probably maybe even one of the very few ones that I bought from 7th edition, um, because I love the idea that... that that Death Watch would get a codex and really like the idea um, behind sort of the units. And I think one of the, the strengths of the de- of having a Death Watch army, and I think any Space Marine fan realistically could do would do well and with a Death Watch army because you can you can just use all your spare bits and create some really awesome characters. So yeah, so I bought the Death Watch one, but I haven't I got to admit I haven't read that yet. Although there's some pretty cool art in there. I'm particularly loving the the Tau, um pulse rifle. That's, yeah, uh, you like con- that. Don't you? Yeah, I do. I love it. it has <laughs> been converted by the Mechanicum into uh, um, one that a Death Watch Marine could use. I think it's great. Um, but yeah, no, I've I picked up the Space Marine one and I picked up the Space Force one, and um, I've been intermittently dropping in and out of those um, since I picked them up. Um, I always find like talking about codex is quite hard because especially this year, because we just, I just don't play games with them, Dan. So yeah, um, I know Mm. it's hard to know what the rule change is or how they play in the new rules. And I'm not very good at at reading them and, and sort of picking up the differences if I haven't been using it. So um, the the new space Marine one is, is very pretty. I can tell you that is the artwork in it is absolutely Brilliant, and I'm loving the layout of the new books, the bigger page size, um, and I just think that visually they're a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, there's loads of the, the standard information in there that I would expect from a Space Marine book, but there's there's lots of cool little new tidbits as well, which I think is, is quite exciting. There's a few changes that a lot of people are talking about, and we won't be the only ones to mention, but um, the things like the scouts becoming elites rather than troops but i actually think that narratively that makes a lot more sense um they are elites in a chapter in a sense as in that they're rare there's 10 marines for every one scout um so you know you're not likely to see them on every battlefield for realistically um so i I do kind of like that um there's other a few other things in there that I, i really quite liked the um you know, apart from the fact that we've got our first shots of some of the new tanks, the land speeders, the uh, the new uh, the captains in the Gravis army, with the you know the heavy Gravis in, in heavy intercessors, they're going to be they're going to be brilliant. Um, so there's loads of cool stuff um, visually in there. I quite like the um, 
the idea that you, you know the upgrades that there's more of I think a rule a, a clarity in the rules as to the structure of the chapter again, which I quite like. So you know, it, well, it feels clearer. It may not be the case, but this idea that you know there's there's chaplains and then there is the chaplain, like the big daddy, who who is entirely in charge of the spiritual well-being of the chapter. Um, for example, and I feel that's more reflected in the rules a little bit better this mm-hmm. time around. Um, I like that of... the front cover's got a whopping great Wolfguard Terminator on the front. What, in the Space? Space Wolf one. I'm, I'm talking about the Space Marine one at the moment. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Space Wolf one. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the Space Marine I one. wonder why you hadn't mentioned Ulrich the Slayer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, no, pay attention, one. isn't it? Um... So, Space Wolf One is a supplement. So, it's the first supplement that I've seen. It's um, it I, it's much better than the old supplements. So, I'm relieved by that. So, there is pages and pages of background, like a lot of background, well over half the book, um, and then and then it moves on to, you know, all the rules. The Crusade rules are really wicked, actually. Um, so, the agendas are excellent. Um, you know the relics are cool. The battle traits are really. They're, 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 it's just really nice to see how they're going to play this out in, you know, chapter specific and army specific things. So that you're going to have, um, you know, you're going to have things that make them really unique in cru- in the Crusade rules. And I love the Crusade rules. They're my favourite part of the new 40k. So, like things like the wolf and the lion is in there. Um, pack bonds is in there. Um, so, you know, deeds achieved by the pack are told and retold and often embellished. Uh, and basically you purchase this after a battle and it represents things that they can do. So, Tale of the Stormblade, select one model in the unit and add one to its attack characteristics. Um, so, like, one of them has become just like a better bladesman. Um, a Tale of the Raven's Luck, every model in the unit has a five plus invulnerable save. <laughs> so little things like that it's really wicked um one of the first things i did when i pulled it out um is to have a look at the units that are there now and were you know that were there before and i have to be honest a few of them have been slightly disappointing so the long fangs to me they're cheaper but they now just read very much like a normal devastator squad rather mm. than rather than a different thing. Um, I'm not even really sure why there's a separate profile page in here, and I'll come on to that in a second, because I don't, I don't really, I haven't put them side by side, but I don't really see, other than the fact that it can have a, a Wolfguard pack leader, that this is any different, um, to be honest, from a normal Devastated squad. Um, same with the Grey Hunters, and same with the Blood Claws, apart from... I suppose, apart from their special rules. So, um, you know, but then having said that, the, the long fangs don't even have like a specific space wolf ability, but like the blood claws have um, do, for example. Uh, yeah. Grey hunters, the grey hunters don't have a specific space wolf ability, but the, the blood claws have got um, berserk charge and headstrong. So I'm not really sure, almost, other than how they're sort of set up, um, I haven't 
Okay, so the Grey Hunters can have an Astartes Chainsaw, that's a different thing. But I haven't really gone into the details, but I think the Long Fangs for Amir stand out that they don't really feel anymore like a different unit. Um, what I'm really disappointed about is that um, there is no longer in here a profile for a Wolf Priest or a um, Rune Priest. Um, the rune priest may be not so much of an issue because you've got the law, as in you know the, the magic that they can use are in here. So there's a, there's a, you know the tempestus um, discipline that that's sort of in here. Um, so you know really, realistically, I don't. They may not have much of a difference to to a um, you know a librarian essentially. Before they did in second edition, every space will every space will effectively had plus one weapon skills, but that's represented more in like the rules that apply to the keywords now. So, mm -hmm. um, but the one that I think is a really significant loss is um, the Wolf Priest. So they've replaced, the Wolf Priest is a, is a character which basically merges the Chaplain and an Apothecary, for those who don't collect space or know about them. Um, and that was a really key thing. So Basically, they used to have all the rules of an apothecary and all the rules of a wolf priest, which made them really versatile units, really characterful units, um, but was very much an all your eggs in one basket kind of. You couldn't spread those abilities out around the army. Um, now, you you get the the wolf priest, you take a chaplain, and then mm. he gets a, a stratagem which gives him healing balms to use as, with a command point, which I just don't think. I mean, I haven't played with them, so I don't know how functionally that, whether, you know, you get to use it as many times as you would normally anyway, um, in which case it's probably not an issue. Um, but I do, it wouldn't have hurt just to put a profile in there and make me feel better. You know, <laughs> yeah. to be honest, I mean, that's all, it just feels like they've gone and they were one of the key differences, really. Um, other than that, they've done a, They've done a great job of like clarifying some of the pack problems that we had before. Um, so it talks about recruitment in the same way that um, you know they did before. So that each of the wolf lords recruits in a slightly different way, you know, depending on you know who they are and what sort of people they're looking for. Um, and then the younger, more headstrong pack units where the red and yellow, so the blood claw colours, and that is effectively the fast attack units from the Space Marine Codex. So it actually means that there's a different character to all of those units now. So things like um, the, the Inceptors are very much blood claws or young, younger Space Wolves. I would say probably like the primaris versions of the Sky Claws, for example. So um, it changes how I view them in my mind a little bit. Um, it takes base jumping to a whole new level. It does. Um, <laughs> for adrenaline junkies. For, you know, a, a, I think a standout unit where that would make a difference is that um, the line infantry are called hunter packs and they're the kind of more experienced, slightly calmer troops. Um, but all of the heavy support ones are fang packs, so long fangs effectively, which means that um, things like the aggressors are now long fangs. So whereas in a normal Space Marine chapter there, you know, do you remember the, the last Space yeah, Marine? Yes. Yeah. yeah, the guy was shoved in an aggressor pack, to a pe aggressor squad, to sort of calm him down, to sort of get it out of his system, um, because they're an aggressive, they're used aggressively. 
um, by the Ultramarines at least. Um, but for the Space Wolves, they, they now come across as like a calm in the storm. So mm. in the middle of like the closer assault, you know, laying down medium range support in a kind of calm and methodical, long fangy kind of way. I really like that, actually. That's really, that's really cool. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm no, very happy with that. Um, and lastly, I think the biggest change in there is that like this complete and the complete acceptance of successor chapters. So um, it talks about the um, wolf spear, which is the ones that were created in the background um, with the release of eighth edition and um, gives them a character, um, describes how Logan Grimnar gave them a contingent of you know, intercessors to start them off, you know, to help, help found them very much linked with Fenris there. They see the great wolf as a, you know, as a you know, father figure. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to have the background evolve a little bit like the Dark Angels and the Blood Angels, where, and now the Ultramines, where all the successor chapters kind of do have a loyalty to the, you know, their fight, the first founding chapter, which is really cool. I'm really excited about that. And the Wolf Spear art looks amazing. Um, yeah. So I'm very, I'm very, overall very pleased, very, like a bit sad about some of the things, but I'm not sure that we'll really know what those mean until it plays out. But the long fangs for me are a bit of a standout. Uh, I really hope it, it doesn't represent a dilution in some of those, some of those units over time. Um, but what I am excited about is that this is effectively, as far as I'm concerned, is a proper, is a proper codex amount of background in there. Yeah. It's not, it's not a watered down amount of background. That's um, good. Cause the original supplements for third, were a bit light on the background in the mm. books, um, which is what I was worried about. But that, that's a that's not that's good. It's a good amount. That's excellent. That's good. So the other sort of forty k purchase that you've made recently, which ties in, is um, it, well, it ties into the Galaxy of Wars for Necromunda. Yeah, and you've been is. pretty impressed by it as well, haven't you? I have. So um, one of the things I've been doing is I've been really keen, we spoke about before, to create um, a modular board for Necromunda um, that I could use the individual modules as pieces of terrain for 40k based on the the little tiles mm. that you get with them. Um, so I was really excited when the Stronghold came out because it's it's a real dual piece. You can almost imagine it as a sort of outpost in the middle of a desert as well as you know um an outpost in an underhive and um so i picked one up because the idea is that i'm going to have like basically all of these bits so when i sit down and do it i can just sort of cherry pick the bits out of all the bits boxes and create these tiles a bit like playing lego when you're 10 you know you just have to tip it all on the floor and have a go um The thing I like about it that really sort of cheered me up is there's a lot in there. So basically, looking at the what I'll describe it, what it says on the back of the box. In here is um, one watchtower, one gunk tank, one set of stronghold gates, four stronghold walls, two stronghold corners, and one stronghold wall extension. Um, I'm not sure what the extension is, but... I think it's maybe just a shorter wall. Not really sure. Now, all of those things that um, I've just listed, incredibly, are built from two two sprues. 
um, not all of them from two sprues, but basically multiples of multiples of one or the other of those sprues. So in the box, you get four of one sprue and one of the other. Um, and I think that that just demonstrates how incredibly versatile this kit is. Um, so the tower, for example, the sort of um, footplate at the top is made up of um, four of these corner sections of which there are multiple different kinds on here. Um, so once you've got four of these sprues, you can create um, a larger sort of square, as it were, out of them. Um, but individually on their own, those corner sprues could be used for other things too. Um, so if you wanted a tower, you could have a tower, but you, you, there are so many options that this kit allows you to build. It's a really versatile thing. Um, and the structural bits on it are really, really, very versatile as well. So there's loads of railings, corner railings, portals, um, girders, um, support struts. It's fabulous, Dan. It really is brilliant. Um, and the thing I like about it is that it doesn't, it's not perfect. They're not perfect in that they don't, they don't look brand new, but they don't look like absolutely annihilated. So you could make sort of, you know, an enforcer base out of this, no trouble at all. An enforcer outpost, you could, you could make um, an outpost on any Imperial world and it would look, it would look completely in keeping. It would look fine. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really sold on it. Very much so. I must admit, it's definitely on the list of things I'd like. I, I think it's got loads of cool components in it to be part of the the crate of bits yeah. to pull out. I think there's something very cool about that, just getting loads of terrain and just building and building and building. There's also, it feels, it looks reasonable, reasonably robust as this fortification in the sense that with a little bit of work, you could you could turn it into like a civilian outpost and then play a battle a little bit like the Starship Troopers one with the little towers and stuff. So it'd be quite cool. Um, yes. Those old um Forge World, I don't think they do them anymore, but they used to have the little platforms with the little guardsmen on with the twin auto cannons. They would be yeah, ace. They were great. They were great. I wish Forge World did stuff like that still. Never mind. Um so in some ways, I think that, that would take two boxes to achieve, though, I think. Um, um, four would be perfect because you need to have four towers. But then that's just my OCD that, you know, as a child, you do four, <laughs> four, four towers as a castle. You know, anything less than four towers is not a castle. Uh, just clearly Eight rubbish. towers. <laughs> oh, yeah, one in the middle of each wall, yeah. And one of them has to be a grand tower, so it needs to be twice the size. And then what you have to do is, like, you have eight towers and then you sort of pull a couple out and pull the others out. So you get like a star. Oh, with the eight points. Uh-huh. I, I missed where that was going until it was too late. Ah, that's just, <laughs> just like any chaos cultist. That is missed where it yeah. was going until it's too late. Yeah. So, um, we also got the book of iron, which just happens to be one of your favorite gangs, yeah. doesn't it? The Orlocks. So, oh, so hang um, on, it's called the House of Iron, not the Book of Iron. I keep yeah, it's called the, House the initial of Iron, yeah. ones. You had like the Book of Peril and the Book yeah. of Judgment and the Book of Ruin. So now I've just decided that's how they could, but it's not. Um, so what we got now, we've got the House of Chains, we've yeah, got the House of Flipping Awesome Hairstyles, Angry Wit Ladies, 
Blades, Blades, I think that one Blades, is. Blades, that's right. House of Blades, bit of a yeah. shorter, shorter title than my version. And House of Iron. Yeah, yeah. They are so good, these books, aren't they? They're rammed full of awesome, basically. And they're not small. Um, they're, they're, so, I mean, imagine when we were first playing Necromunda that you would have something that is essentially as thick as the Space Marine Codex for every gang. Oh, yeah. I mean, I Chris... Mean, Chris says this quite a lot because um, you know Chris obviously loves Necromunda loads, yeah. Um, and and so he follows some of the Necromunda groups. And much like a lot of things on the internet, you get people uh, that are really happy and positive, and then you get people that are a bit like, "Where are the old gangs? This is ridiculous." And Chris always says, "Like, <laughs> you just can't believe, cannot believe the amount of content for Necromunda now. There's more content." In the core book and the and the gang book, than yeah, there was to... all together for Necromunda the last yeah. time round, and on yeah. top of that, we've got all these other books as well. Yeah, I, I think part of what I think is happening with this is that they found their feet with it and they've worked out where they want to go with it. And I think from now on, when your gang is released, you're going to get a big a big book to go with it, rather than just the gangs of Necromunda book. Um, so that's how I expect it to happen, um, but it's great. I, I I settled on Orlog after I used to play Escher when in the when I first played Necromunda um, when I was younger, um, but the, and I love all the all of the gang models now for each of them so much so that gangs that I would have never considered like um, Goliath are now are now well and truly on the table. If you know, yeah, somebody, yeah. Somebody said, "Oh, do you fancy playing Goliath?" I'd be like, "Yeah, definitely." It's they're awesome, but I think for me, out of all of them, I just feel like maybe I connect a little bit more with the with the Orlocks. I can just I can envision them like ideas. I have more ideas about how I would use them than I would with the others, and I keep coming end up coming back to them. Um, and then when they released these jump pack troops, I was just like, "Yeah." Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. I think the Orlocks probably. I and I, and I say this tentatively because obviously nothing on Necromunda be, can be considered normal. Yeah, but they're the probably the most sort of normal <laughs> middle of the road gang of yes. of all of them. Just just purely from the fact, like Goliaths tanked up on steroids, Eshers insane punk hair slash chemical weapons um the corridor basically look rough as anything zealots yeah um yeah i mean they, they they're all know. very out there but corridor i suppose is the middle of the way but i also think in some ways and this is also taken relatively to necromunda they feel like the most decent mm. you know i feel like if i walked into a bar in necromunda that you'd have better luck asking a Cordor ganger for help than any of the others. That's how I feel, and I, I suppose an Orlock ganger, yeah, Orlock yeah. ganger. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Th- than any of the others, and I think that for me just tugs on my that. that I, I always like the good guys in games. Have you seen the dock? Yeah, the really recent model of the dock. I think that's really nice. I think it's horrible. <laughs> and he, gives, he, he gives me the creeps. That yeah. that. that, that 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 old um, um, beaky plague mask just is a, ho- is a horrible thing, um, and I, we did come back to it 
often we talk about it in in you know break time work about you know imagine wearing a plague suit from the 17th century and doing covid you know imagine being like an elderly patient who hasn't seen someone for you know five weeks and then that came to your door <laughs> yeah it's just awful it's just it, they are creepy and they're used i suppose a lot as well in like creepy films and creepy artwork so they become even more creepy and then this guy's got like an o- octopus manifold on his back with all the things coming out and you could oh, i just think he gives me the creeps he gives me too close to it i think whereas i love like absolutely love the previous stock like the more standard the girl with a dungarees or jumpsuit hanging down and the and the injector and the mask on i just thought i thought that was really cool yeah that was really cool and don't get me wrong i love the new character i'm just saying it gives me the creeps and and i guess so i guess staying in the theme of specialist games uh we've also got the night the i don't know why i'm holding my fingers up because no one will see that but the mechanicum knights yeah the mechanicum knights um resin this time so a little bit more expensive with that um, a lot more expensive yeah so interesting that they went with resin because i i don't know whether i can't imagine that's to do with the casting process because you know they can do pretty much anything in plastic plastic now um so that means either cost or time frame or production capacity. Maybe they didn't have the capacity in the plastics to. I think that's always a factor nowadays. Um, if I'm being honest, I think um, I think there's a limited amount of plastic of plastic kits that the specialist game can have. Yeah, um, I mean, it, I guess the only thing I hope, and it is, it's really easy to overthink all of these things, but I just hope it's not a sign because, you know, plastic implies a lot more interest in something to put the investment in yeah i i'd be very disappointed if titanic has tailed off because i think it's an absolute winner i think it's brilliant yeah yeah i mean it is it's excellent um but uh yeah, yeah. well well we'll see or it might it might it might even be you know that's looking at it from one direction it might even be from the other direction where it's a kind of thing well excuse me, actually, there's a load of stuff in the pipeline for Titanicus. They want to ramp up the releases for Titanicus and actually doing some things in resin is one way to access that. Yeah, yeah. So it could be from completely other direction. Um, And probably, lastly, um, ground assets. We've had some ground assets um, for Aeronautica. Fleshing out Aeronautica. Yeah, no, these these I don't understand. So the first thing to say is that the new models are great. Um, the 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 tower ones are superb. They look fantastic. Um, but you're you're getting considerably less models for considerably for about the same amount of money. Um, so I'm uh, I don't know where I am with this one, especially when there was a plastic kit that was available, um, and now it's gone. I think I struggle with this one actually, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. You, you get three three models for twenty something quid. Um, I think for, so let's just take the Imperial Guard assets. So you get like a, a flat looking thing and a cannon looking thing, um, and a fuel thing. Um so that's 
three three models whereas in the original set which was 20 something quid as well you got six orc ones six imperial guard ones and then a bunch of other stuff in there too so um again i wonder if it's a production capacity thing i think it must be and i'm really hoping that those that that plastic sprue finds its way back onto the manufacturing lines again because um because I was really keen to, I should have picked one up, wasn't it? But I was really keen to pick one up for, um, to sort of add some detail to my Titanica scenery. Um, yeah. But, you know, there we go. But it's cool that we've now got a model back because there was a couple of months where there was nothing on the shelf for as a ground asset for anybody. Um, yeah, that's true. That is very true. Hmm. Okay. You start to see people ma- making them out of, cocktail sticks and you know spare bolt guns <laughs> yeah oh so um a bit of a second whistle stop tour of uh the 41st millennium um anything else probably loads <laughs> but we could talk yeah, we, all day about it there's so many things isn't there each time yeah we haven't even got onto the the, the rather nice looking christmas presents like the um map of Soul oh, which is beautiful um and the space marine bust which is oh that's stunning isn't it that is so <laughs> nice um did you see the meme thing i sent you today of like the spartan and, and the different like characters and then there's a marine like and they're obviously all in a drop ship and then there's a marine like coming in through the door and he's just flipping huge yeah yeah it's good. good um yeah some of that merchandise stuff is that's great but also like there's a lot of um pin badges yeah more stuff being done on on merchandising and i think that some of that looks ace um yeah and then there's the battle forces as well 640k battle forces Mm. christmas is coming (laughs) i won't do it because i talk about these things all the time and then just don't do them but the do you remember you know, way back when, when I was going to do, which I'm still going to do, the um, Rift Stalkers. Yeah, I, 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 I might phase in and out with this one because I've heard it all before. Yeah, I know. Well, maybe one day, maybe not. But the Battle Force <laughs> would be perfect for them because they, um, do you remember their background is about, they go around like trying to find routes through the Cicatrix Maledictum. So yeah. I kind of imagine them having lots of like scouty stuff, mm. um, and it's it's it is an all sort of it's got Phobos the reavers, pants. yeah, all Phobos pants. There's reavers, some other one infiltrators, is it? Yeah, um, and it's got one of the combat suits, which I love so much. Yeah, yeah, they're good, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and an impulsor. So yeah, it's cool. Probably, actually, I was going to say, probably won't buy it. Probably will buy it. And then sell it. Exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> right, Mr. Jolly, should we make our way into the mortal realms? I think we shall. Let's pass through the realm gate. Tonight, a Matthew, bit like, I will be... A bit like through the keyhole. A bit like through the keyhole. It, oh, t- did you ever watch, um, was it Stars in Their Eyes, where they came out through the thing? Yeah. And they went mm. in, didn't they, as one thing, and they came out as another. Yeah. That would be, you know, Sigmar. That would be amazing. 
tonight, Matthew, I will be a liberator. Woo! <laughs> Walk in as a man, come out. Ah, lightning! The thing about through the keyhole that always used to tickle me is that all all of the houses were tidied up like show homes, which is sort <laughs> yeah. of immaculate. Just anyway. if they looked like next door, there's like a skip full of all the crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a Monica closet, like with yes. all the crap in. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So to the mortal realms, it is. Hi guys and welcome to the Mortal Realms. We've gone through the keyhole. The room is show home tidy, like hell it is. It's an absolute state in here. <laughs> Daniel's probably got his room immaculate with a polished hobby desk and everything in high order. Um, usually his paints are in the wrong order though. There are things like alphabetical. Oh, that was eight. That was last, last year's news. Like. That's last year's news. So Fake, um, fake news. <laughs> Mortal Realms. Again, uh, we, we've been trying to sort of wrangle through what's happened uh, since we last spoke. Um, as we normally expect, you know, once upon a time at Games Workshop, when it was a, a game's turn to get the, the limelight, nothing happened other than that for like three months. So if, if Warhammer Fantasy Battle 6 came out, that was it for three months. You you barely get a 40k model and specialist games would never be heard of. But um, even though 40k has just come out, Age of Sigma is ticking over and um, it looks like what we've got is the sort of, I think the build up to, um, I think the build up to a release of, an, of a new box set next year, Dan, is what I think Marathi is. Yes, uh, that does seem to be, you're not the first person to have said that. I think what we're seeing and, and another uh, another thing that supports that is Marathi is um is a twenty five pound book uh which is is obviously different to the original Realmgate Wars books which were in the sort of forty five pound bracket. They were really they were, a bit prohibitive, to be honest. Well, they they were like the size of a rule book. Each one was massive, mm. really big. Whereas Marathi, I'm I imagine from that price point and from what I've seen of it is more like the same size as the Psychic Awakening, which brings um, me to my point, which is that I think they are going to, you're going to see something very similar to the Psychic Awakening in, yeah. in that kind of story arc. Um, so that's given me some something to consider because obviously buying into it then is buying into a whole series, but equally it's part of the story. So you kind of want it. A um, lot of stuff goes down in, in Marathi. I've spoken to Dan, um Wasley, uh nine inch charge Dan about it. He's very excited by it, pre-ordered it. Um and uh yeah, essentially Marathi is a bit of a cow, really. Yeah. She uh does over Sigma, <laughs> gets herself yeah. what she wants, and inadvertently uh lets Flanesh loose upon the realms um in doing so. So yeah, she's amazing. Uh, <laughs> so with that we got uh, a cool box set didn't we shadow shadow and pain yeah i think it's called shadow and pain and it's got some absolutely belting models in it oh yeah i mean that 
that mortal Slaneshi guy is just incredible. Yeah. He's really, really good, isn't he? Um, he's, I think and, he's one of the best Age of Sigma models, like, well, just period. You know, I think he's in my top 10 individual Age of Sigma models. Um, yeah. And, and to tie in, tie in uh, into that, um, we could look at um, Underworlds and the new, is it Diachasm? Yeah, the new Diachasm, yeah. So yeah. Diachasm's got the similar, it's got the same aesthetic for the Slaneshi models. And the Slaneshi models are, are you know, everybody has their own view, but they're definitely the winners out of the two factions in the diachasm box there's some really nice models for them as well on, on the same aesthetic so that's nice to see um yeah no i i i, I tend to agree exactly um i, I don't i'm not i gutted actually that um that i felt like this and i i'm not sure that um had, had the underworld's box that came out when we last spoke i'm not sure it had um, I think it, they previewed it, but I was I really disappointed with the uh, with the Lumineth ones. They're actually I wanted them to be my favourite, and they've ended up probably being my least favourite out of out of all of the Underworlds boxes, which is tragic in my mind. I just really struggled with it. Two of them are great, two of them are just not at all, and I I think it's. I think it's a real shame, but the Slanesh half of that box set is an absolute clear winner. They 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 are just whoever's um, taken the the reins on the Slaneshi sculpting has um, has given them give them more menace. I think is the where I want to go with it. They they kind of in the past always they've always been a bit weird and uncomfortable, and I think Slanesh should should be uncomfortable. But they've kind of lacked the kind of menace. You, you kind of felt some way that, you know, a Stormcast is just going to grab it by the throat and punch his head off. Um, I feel like they have recaptured um, the aesthetic of Sanesh without then also creating something that just makes the weirdos excited. Yeah. Um, I, they, it really, for me, reminds me of so much of the artwork from the original um, Realm of Chaos books. Like, so mm. much. There's, they're like big, brutal, <laughs> dominatrix like dudes with with a sodding great mace. That you really, they're, they're, they've got menace. And I don't think they had menace before in my mind. They, they had, um, mind you, having said that, I was a big fan of the last release. Slanesh, and I'm including that in it. So the the new um, Keeper of Secret, I don't, mm-hmm. yeah, Keeper of Secrets, um, and the like the the massive dude that looks like um, Xerxes from 300 with the yeah yeah with, with the, the demon on his back. shoulder. He, yeah, that, I'm including that all in in the in in my kind of analysis. Well, it's quite cool, really, because it is essentially a rebirth for the range to go with rebirth of the the god or the freeing of the god which yeah. is quite cool um would like yeah. to see a Carrick acolyte style box set to sort of round the picture off a little bit yeah that's a good call that's so a, a very good call actually so a kind of uh, a mortal box set that would that would round off the picture and i think with basically that... Carrick acolytes at a bondage party 
Yeah, essentially that. <laughs> okay, no, that's fair. Um, <laughs> uh, and what's really cool about Marathi as well, Dan was telling me, is that it links in with catacombs. So that's the other thing that we've just kind of got. Sweet, war cry. The war cry, yeah. So um, catacombs, really, really cool box set, actually. Really nice. Um, the very fact that you got the, uh, like, 50% of the first starter set scenery set in there as well as the catacombs themselves. Um, but yeah, essentially it, it's all linked in with the, um, Oh, science of the flame. They, they have a part to play in the events of Marathi as well. Do um, they? Yeah. Yeah. Are, are we assuming, I see it's interesting because, I I I assumed that they would be um, more corn, but I, I guess equally could be Slanesh. Yeah, well, uh, but so they're not the the events of Marathi are obviously have some Slanesh in them, but yeah. um, ultimately she's setting herself up as the replacement or the herald of Cain, um, right? And he's the god of murder, so yeah. you know lean more towards the corn eight perhaps but yeah it, it sounds really good it sounds definitely sounds like something i want to get and i want to read there's some big like the, the the cool thing is like and again comes back to one of the great things about the mortal realms i suppose well i think it's great uh some people might say it's a bit throwaway but um an entire city is annihilated in that book one that's in the background um and um you wouldn't you know, in in the Warhammer world, that would be massive. As as much as I love it, uh, right up until the end when they just went right, the whole world's dead, which was pretty banging shizzle going on. You wouldn't just go right. Well, Nuln is destroyed <laughs> in this book. You know, no. it, it 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 didn't really happen. So it's quite cool that they just will just go. If they um, if they did. If they did create a dead city, they created a dead city that was already dead when you found out about it. Like so, Mordheim. Like Mordheim. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So which city got got splished? I knew you were going to ask me that, and the reason I haven't said it yet is because I don't, I don't remember. Um, and uh, I know that Dan will be like going, ah, why didn't you get me on the podcast? Because I could have told you. But one of them do does that's cool yeah i i I probably will buy into it because i regret not being around when the realm gate books came out um and having those um i keep meaning to pick them up on ebay but they haven't really dropped in price unless the person who looked after them fed it to its dog um so i it's, it's hard to get them at a decent price but um, I enjoyed the psychic awakening. I enjoyed the sort of the the background way of doing things. I know a lot of people were upset that the rules in there were basically retconned as soon as it, it came out. But I didn't buy it for the rules. I bought it for the story. And I'll buy Marathi and whatever series comes after it for the story too. Um, and I, I got my my personal feeling is that 40k is kind of catching up with age of sigma with regards to how they do this so i'm expecting this series of books to be better because age of sigma is 
laid the groundwork for narrative box releasing a narrative kind of story releasing where like soul wars was a huge it was a huge event in the age of sigma timeline um and the first age of sigma box set was the you know the realm gate wars it was a, it was a huge event you know at the start of the age of sigma timeline and the next book box set will almost certainly be a huge event in the age of sigma timeline um so i think if you didn't have the books leading up to it or hadn't sort of kept up with the story, I think you'd struggle a little bit, to be honest. Um, and, you know, not forgetting the Malign Portents, which is essentially, you know, my first narrative book and sort of series and um, foray into Age of Sigma and loved every bit of that. I'm just sorry. I'm just reading the overview of the Marathi book. It's very exciting. You're going to share any of it with us? Well, so just bearing in mind, obviously, people listening that I am about to talk about bits from the book. I already have. Um, but just interesting things like so um, Marathi deceives uh, Sigma into sending a load of Stormcast um, into the Varenspire um, to sabotage a mining operation. And that that's what I was talking about, about the um, the um, science of the flame are involved in that um but she the stormcast commander realizes like a moment too late that they're being deceived but she gets hit by a paralysis poison by uh marathi um which prevents her from dying and going back to azir to warn sigma now and this is where this is where like i think people miss how freaking awesome stormcast are because you can actually play with shit like that like just killing someone killing a stormcast is not enough that's actually too good because then they go back and they can be like by the way sigma shit's going down dude so you have to think outside the box a bit with it um i really like that i really like that yeah i think it's really good um so yeah, it's uh then she goes and has a bit of a to do with the uh the Ideneth, um, nicking some stuff off them. Um oh Amvilgard. Amvilgard is the city that's destroyed. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh goodness me, that's an a- yeah. that's an actual city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, crikey, um, I bet the uh Dark Elves that live there are pretty happy about that. And and also what's quite interesting is she she's like openly attacking the Stormcast and stuff. So she's like properly like, I'm not having any of this anymore. So is she going to become a chaos army or are they going to stay order? I don't know. Dan seemed to think they could. Dan seemed to think what you might see is that the whole four brackets start to dissipate. Really? Yeah. But that was just his his conjecture, really. Oh, okay. Okay, so I love the fact that they've tied the Warcry into Age of Sigma, an Age of Sigma release. That's um, that's pretty splendid. So I think a really important and possibly the most important news that we've had is uh, is that a very important dwarven character has made his made his return. I knew you were going there. It's, and you're very right. It's, it, it, we have Jacob Bugmanson. 
the the eleventh. <laughs> so great, we have the descendant of Bugman, um, with his six X um, backpack barrel, um, with dispensing pipes to serve beer on the battlefield. Um, has there been a more important dwarf? Hard to say. Fantastic model, absolutely blinding. Oh, it is. It is wonderful. It is wonderful the fact that they've amalgamated what was great about Bugman with what is great about the Caradron. I'll yeah. tell you what. I'll tell you what. It's isn't it a wonderful um, example of the way they did Go Trek as well. So Go Trek really is clearly of the old world. He stood on loads of like Skaven and stuff, um, and he hasn't got all the uh, loads of the runes in his flesh, but he's got that. Grimrath Berserker axe, yeah, um, to tie him in to the to the mortal realms, and obviously, I mean, <laughs> Bugman's a little bit more extreme on the tie into the mortal realms, but it's lovely to see these old characters reimagined into the mortal realm. Yeah, absolutely, and I got a, a, a specific mention to whoever painted the beer through the window on the barrel. With the foam and the and the bubbles, incredible, actually incredible. <laughs> I just, I mean, I've always sort of looked at like glass vials and things that you know the heavy metal team do and like, the world class painters do, and think how how have you made it look that good? But I mean, I think that that is next level. That genuinely looks like a barrel full of beer sloshing around. It's just this is magnificent. It's absolutely magnificent, absolutely brilliant. Oh goodness! Sorry, it's it's worse than Anvil Guard being utterly destroyed. Morathi takes it, slaughters everyone that's not an elf and any elves that refuse to renounce their allegiance to Sigma, and renames it Har Curon, and now and then uses it as basically her power base to form her own empire with her as the empress. She's a cow. It doesn't matter which gate, which she was Orid in the old world. And she's still Orid now, although I will never forget Jeremy sticking his his metal model of Marathi together with cellar tape. It was quite <laughs> it, it was remark in, in its own way, it was impressive. It was that one that was like it was on a dark Pegasus as well, mind. We're not just <laughs> sticking to the face. He wrapped it up in cellar tape. I mean, that's just incredible, isn't it? In time yeah. for a game. Yeah, oh, that is yeah. yeah. Are, you, are you done reading about Marathi? Or are we going to get like Marathi interludes? Every <laughs> yeah, Marathi interludes, yeah. No, no, I'll stop reading about Marathi now. Um, I've read the <laughs> overview now. That's what I need to do. I, I know th I, this would be ridiculous, but it would be great if every Games Workshop background book just came with a bullet point summary that I could read because I love buying them and putting them on the shelf, but I never get round to read them all. Where did you read that bulletproof summary? Bullet, bulletproof. I just read it, went on the internet and found it. Oh, I see. So, <laughs> um, the last thing I suppose is, um, is Blood Bowl, which as uh, I think it's been a fantastic release, Dan. I really, really do. Um, I know uh, there's a lot of people 
and I was included in them that was a bit like, but why have we got a new a new one? You know? Um, but it's uh it's it's a really great release. So the box set itself, let's talk about that quickly. I love the fact that the box set itself has a range of different players in it. And by that, I mean you've got the big guys, like the Ogre and the Troll. You've also got a star player on each team, and you've got all of the rest of the team. I think that's fab. Um, oh, really, yeah. and really the, think that's fab. The models are so good. Yeah, they really Especially are. Especially the... I mean, I like both. I do like both. But I think standout team overall for me uh, is is the human team, um, and then I think standout model Varag Gulchua. Yeah, that is just off the chart. That is so good, and I've got the ori- the the not the original. I haven't got the original. I've got the one before this one that Forge World did, um, but this one is just a different league absolute different league i uh i like the the way that the human team is just preposterous yeah they're, they've got so many daft feathers on i mean if you're going to play like a game which frankly no right-minded individual is going to set foot on a on a blood bowl pitch i i mean it brings me on to the the zote i mean good heavens above the zote the zote in the Zote in Blood Bowl is an absolute monster. It's just massive. And you, you would have had to have some kind of psychotic episode to even remotely entertain the idea of standing in front of it, let yeah. alone being on the, well, getting on the same pitch as it, let alone being in front of it. I mean, it's... I think, as I said to you, though, you have to have some kind of psychotic episode simply to play Blood Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, this is yeah, exactly. And I mean, I'm alone... just looking now, actually, you know, I I say, oh, this is my standout model, but it's it's really hard looking at Griff Oberbold. I mean, he is bloody awesome. He is, yeah. That he model is. is just incredible. For a box set, yeah. yeah. Well, and we've got, just for anything. We've got a second treeman, which is nice. Oh, that treeman. That treeman, yeah. hands down, smash it just beats seven bells out of the old one, the previous one. You think? Oh yeah, easily. I love it. Mm. See, I, I'm squirrel. You know that squirrel's called Acorn. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love these little goblins as well. Talking about crazy models, have you seen the um? You know the new undead team. Yeah. Uh, have you <laughs> seen the ghost, which is like a sheet, and it's yeah. dragging, it's dragging the washing line, and there's a couple of socks hanging off it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's blood. It's blood bowl. It's blood bowl. It's brilliant. It's mad as a box of frogs. Yeah. Oh, the zoo is the zoo is a resin model. Yeah. I did not. I did not twig that, but it's fantastic. Yeah. Superb Zolkath is called. Love the fact that there's now zoats in in uh, the old world. Just sort of why not? <laughs> They're just coming out of everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. Have you seen as well that? If you pre-order the box, you get two Christmas-themed dugouts. No, no, I had not seen that. So, um, just you know, 
the the deep root strong branch is is a uh, you know the last tree man was a um, was a special character. I did not realize that. So he was a star player. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I hadn't put that together. Yeah. So that's, and the other thing, of course, about this box set, which is I think fantastic, is that you get coaching staff in it. Yeah. Which is really really cool. Um, so you get like you get a full kind of all the models to play all aspects of the game, which is really important because you didn't you couldn't play like a lot of well you could you could represent it with other things if you or you could buy them but having the referee you know sorry not coaches i said coaches but having the referee on the pitch i think is a really it's a very cool move i'm really loving that um so yeah hopefully we'll see a bit of a um sort of a rerun of of some of the card packs again um they've got the special plays ones that they brought out but some of the other team packs that just sort of come and then disappear into the ether um, very rapidly. But um, <clears throat> yeah, so I'm like, I think it's great. And I think the price is pretty good too. A- 80 quid for all that. So you've got the board, two star players, two big guys, two full teams, um, referees, dugouts, the rule book. Uh, and I believe it's the hardback rule book, isn't it? Um, yeah. That's in there, I, um, so it's I'm going to get the rule book. Well... Will I get the I have to be honest, right? So this is this goes back a bit again to um um time and stuff. So I do really want the box, but I won't paint the soldiers. So I won't get around to them soon. Um and with the rule book, I'd love the rule book, but there's every chance that another version of the game would come out before I'd get around to properly playing this one. Yeah, I yeah I can appreciate that, but to be honest, I I really want to play more Blood Bowl. Um, yes, it's so, a game, so do I. <laughs> it's a game I could really really sort of get behind, mainly because I could, I feel like if you didn't get overexcited and buy every team, you could finish your collection fairly nicely. Um, yeah. Oh, so I need to get Varag. I need to get him. I will him. probably play. I probably paint my humans that I got on the starters kit, but. You know, I'll only ever play Orcs. Well, having said that, I'm so tempted by the Halflings and I'm so tempted by the Snotlings. I, what, what am I talking about? Just ignore me. I'm just chatting nonsense. If I go down that rabbit hole, I'll end up stuck in it. So that's the Mortal Realm slash Warhammer Fantasy. But is there anything else that's come out that's cap- captured our imagination, Dan? No. No. No, I don't think so. All right. So um, shall, we, shall we shuffle on into the community? Um, now? Yes, indeedy. Hail, glorious community. We, um, as you will know, if you've listened from the beginning, which I hope you have, um, have the wonderful Henry Steele with us. Uh, unfortunately, we've also got Ben still. Sorry, guys. Um, despite attempts, but he's still here. Uh, Henry um, is going to talk to us all about uh, the awesome Cult of Paint and the recent Kickstarter. Um, mm. So, mate, over to you, really. Oh, gosh. What did you want to know? Spotlight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, it's, it's like, it's 11 o'clock at night. But we've only what been nattering like three like... hours or whatever. Yeah, now, yeah. <laughs> now we're going to go into it. So I guess what would be cool is start off with, so my um, first 
time I met you was uh, doing mm. a painting class. And so yeah. Cult Paint is, is well known for its painting classes. So do you want to talk a little bit about those sure. uh, and what, sure. why you do them and how okay. people can find them? So, uh, so Cult of Paints, myself and Andy Wardle, um, I think anybody who uh, enjoys painting in, in Games Workshop stuff uh, will be familiar with his name. He's multiple Slayer Sword winner. He also paints a lot of other larger scale models, uh, um, traditional sort of uh, miniatures painting competitions and things. And we met years and years ago now um, doing classes and stuff sort of on the side um, for a bit of fun. And we just sort of one day said, should we do this professionally? Should we, should we try and make this legit? You know, um, and I sort of said, yeah, sure. If we're going to do it, though, I want it to be a real, let's do it properly. You know, let's all properly organized, branded, you know, people get a product, you know, when they sign up to it and things like that. So I didn't feel that was out there at the time. There was lots of, of people offering tuition and things, but a lot of the time it was paying them to watch them paint kind of thing. And I didn't really have any interest in that. So we started the classes off and we both wanted to produce miniatures at some point. Um, and that was enough really to start Cult of Paint. Um, and for the first few years, that's what we did. Um, classes all over the world, um, got recognized as one of the sort of premier painting tuition, sort of in-person painting tuition services. Um, and it's lovely. It's wicked. We've got to meet so many cool communities uh, uh, like i say right across the world it's it's been a really nice way especially as someone who's not a massive like tournament gamer as i said earlier it's been a really great way to meet different communities and and spend weekends just hanging out with like-minded nerds really okay. um so yeah and then we at the uh, at a similar time when we started doing those those classes we released our first uh, miniatures so we released a sci-fi range of miniatures, uh, 54 millimeter models, which are about the size of a Primark from 30K or um, something like the Eidolon from AOS or, or Gilliman from 40K. That's, that's roughly 54 millimeter scale. It's like 54 mil to the eye is when you talk about that as, as a scale. Um, and, and they went down really well and we were really pleased with it. And things were going splendidly. <laughs> and then this year happened, as you know, as it's happened to all of us. Um, and it sort of forced our hand to to bring into reality some projects we discussed, you know, about wanting to do, um, which was our YouTube channel and our Patreon, so di digital tuition, really online tuition. Um, so that's what we've been doing this year. We've been focusing on a lot. Uh, well, that that you guys have seen anyway that we've been working on this year that we focused on a lot is um yeah is, is our youtube channels that's all free sort of they're not they're not deep dive uh, um videos by any means we wanted to make them nice and succinct we wanted them to be either technique or, or recipe videos basically um one of the things you always get asked saying on social media when you paint something there'll always be someone in the comments going oh what paints do you use that's me and, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, well, sometimes, sometimes someone will ask like really nicely, like, "Oh, I really love this. Like, that's super cool. What? what um, do you mind me asking what colours you used for this and sort of thing?" And I'll chat to those people all day long. <laughs> that's great. But then you also get the ones who just go, "What paints you use?" 
<laughs> and like, okay, here you go. These are the paints I use, bud. But good luck because you know you've no idea how they were replied or or, or all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, so that's what the YouTube channel's uh, based for. So there's no sort of cameras on us and waffle and and that sort of thing. I love a waffle, but not on YouTube. Um, and that's been going really, really well. You know, it's got a regular release schedule. It's approximately sort of once a week, sometimes more, sometimes slightly less. Um, and we're just slowly working our way through techniques and quite a lot of marine chapters because that's what people want. And, you know, I'm never going to complain about painting a marine. Uh, but also, yeah, as I say, like we look at things like, oh, I'm interested in oil painting. Well, here you go. Here's the fundamentals of it. Now you know that go off and look at some other amazing videos that will be out there by people you know there's there's so much good free online tuition available we didn't want to we really did took a long time to decide whether we were going to do it or not because we were like are we adding anything here by doing this channel is it, was it already out there but we sort of decided there was some value in in doing it um and then the the patreon we do as well which is a lot more deep dive um, stuff so that might be a really deep dive series of, tu of tutorials on a particular technique so say like non-metallic metal painting um, videos pdfs whatever's more appropriate for the thing we're trying to teach really um, but it's also a place for me and andy to sort of share our projects with people and we can just the, the videos don't necessarily have to be as as clipped and you know, oh, got to keep it under 15 minutes. You know, you can, we can sort of waffle on and, and show loads of our mistakes and our, our thinking behind what we're doing and, and that type of thing. So I think that's been a lot of fun. Um, and it's meant that we've been able to survive as a company. Um, you know, we, we've gone from teaching, you know, anywhere between three and four classes every couple, usually about two classes a month we were, we were teaching which is awesome, um, down to obviously none. Uh, and there was that period in the middle of this year where we could have put classes on, but we felt we felt it was too much of a compromise, like having to adhere to safety protocols and things like that. We felt it would compromise the classes too much. Um, so we're itching to get back, <laughs> get back to those. Um, but yeah, that, that's the sort of tuition side of things. And then the biggie is the Kickstarter that is got one week left to run so um <laughs> we started working on a fantasy range three years ago uh, and it's finally finally <laughs> seeing the light of day <laughs> uh and we decided to kickstart this one uh, for a, a variety of reasons uh, and i'm really glad we did um it's it's the support we've had for it has been very unexpected um but what it's done it's made me and andy realize that we we can be this little boutique miniatures manufacturer now, you know, that there is the demand there. People would like to see our miniatures. Um, so the plan is now, well, we've already got the next two in the works now uh, with a third being talked about. So, you know, we, we feel, we feel like we're being established now as a miniatures brand as well, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the goal really is to like, we're here for the long term. We're not, we're not, we weren't just here to run painting classes and try and make a quick buck off people. You know, we deliberately priced the classes, what we thought was a fair price, you know, and make them accessible and all that sort of thing, because we want to do this for the, for the foreseeable. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, 
and that in, that also means having lots of wings to the business really so we've also got commission studio that we opened up a couple of months back that was really fun to get up and running um and i say we've got a couple of other projects coming hopefully next year um but uh which i'm very excited to talk about when we can um so yeah but yeah the biggie at the minute is this the day of god kickstarter so it's elves which will please ben i'm sure they're superb um dwarves will be coming oh um, just not, not right now <laughs> but yeah so they're they're 54 mil models as i've said and the reason we like 54 mil is you can do a lot more painting on those models you can do a lot more with the sculpting on them textures and things like that textures for things like fur at 28 mil are very different to what you can do for fur at 54 millimeter and stuff but they're not too big you know 75 millimeter is a, is a common scale for for large scale miniatures but that's a big investment of time to get those models done um, and one of the things we were really keen to do was you know we would have people come on our painting classes and they want to learn all these techniques and they want to do all these things but sometimes it's really hard to do those things on a space marine or, or a or a you know typical gw type model just because of the size of them um whereas if you try to learn that technique and refine that technique and practice it on a larger model you'd you'd get way better results which you could then of course step back down to 28 or 32 mil whatever gw is now and and replicate it and do it on those models but you'll find it way easier to learn and understand and analyze it on a bigger model um and that's yes that's why we stuck stuck with 54 mm. 54 mil really um so yeah there you go how was that succinct ish what i really like about about the kickstarter is the the different aesthetics that you've got in there so mm. um although it's it, you know like you say it's elves you've got the the wood elf type character i'm sorry i should have read up i'm shite at preparation as ben will know the wood elf type character Shocking. and it's then embarrassing every week um and then the the you you need to tell what's his name uh what, what's that for then the, the, wood, the wood elf, elf character yeah why, why don't i take it bud so yeah the elves are we didn't just want to make a high elf model, a dark elf model, a wood elf model, and that type of thing. I, I really love the setting when it comes to miniatures or, or any fantasy thing. Really, it's, it's that that's always going to be where I start a project. It always comes from a book or a piece of artwork. It doesn't come from a model. It doesn't come from an army list or anything like that. So, Andy. Andy tends to be the other way. Andy is very model-led because he's a competitive painter. That's what he does. You know, that's that's what he enjoys doing. And it's been something that's been a real strength to us as a as a business is us coming from very different angles at, at, at a lot of projects. But the idea with the setting is 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 called Deogard, which is <clears throat> old English. Deor is wild and guard is land. And I just liked the idea that we are English. And it would be nice to have a, uh, at the time we started working on it, it was all the Scandinavian Viking stuff was super, super popular, you know, so that would have been an easy way to go. We could have gone with that as a naming convention and, a, and that type of thing. And with elves, you've always had that sort of Far Eastern influence as well with some of the design as well. But we wanted to just give it that little bit of, you know, grounding here 
you know, let's create this this English company. So Dergard was the star, and it's it's largely the the setting itself, the world is basically our world. It's it's like an alternative mythology or a, or a what if. Um, I love that. You know, so what we what we looked at was well, what would an elf look like if it had come from Persia? You know, what would this elf look like from Central Africa or feudal Japan or or these types of things? So that was a, a sort of starting point. And then that would mesh with Andy going, I want one with a sword, a big sword, or I want one, I want a wood elf. I want like deer legs, big sword, whatever. And then I go, okay, okay, right, let's have a look at this. What can we do to make that interesting? Then we come back and then we work on it more together. And then you end up with these this range of characters in this first release. Um, we've got about 20 characters for the elves. And I think you'll probably see over half of those across the next project, this project and the next project. Um, and some of them, like Heargard, the, the woodsman character, they are kind of wood elfy in that they're an elf from the wood. Um, and some people have said he'd make an excellent Orion stand-in model, which is, I think, a fantastic idea. Um, and we actually, we just unlocked a stretch goal last night or the night before. We're going to do a limited run of a 75 millimeter version of him because we'd had quite a lot of gamers reach out and say they wanted to run him as like a forest giant. Oh, that would be amazing. Um, and we were like, okay, cool. Like, so there will be a limited run. That's it. Once the print runs done, it's done. But he, it was fun enough. And he's kind of the poster elf for the range. Yeah. Um, which is why we did a, a bust of him, an academic bust of him and, and the 54 mil version of him. But yeah, within, within this first release, we've got elves. Um, so you, you've got the, the samurai uh, sort of uh, influenced elf. Um, but they, they had other design keys the to them. You know. Yeah, so the, you've got the archer one as well. So that's got clear uh, Asian influence as well. But we wanted them all to have an animal as a touchstone idea as well. In some cases, like the woodsman, that's anthropomorphic. You know, he's got satyr legs and uh, and all the rest of it, or foot fawn legs rather. Um, but, you know, the archer model, she's got this three-eyed hawk with her. The warrior, the samurai model, his armor is all stylized around sort of beetles and things like that. So this, there's all these layers. There's, there's an awful lot of lore I have written about the characters and the setting. And we won't necessarily present all of that this time around in a book or in, in a whatever. But, and I, and I said this when I was talking to Vince about it, is I feel if you've done that work on a model, if from the very beginning of the process you have a, a wealth of information about that, a, a grounding for that character, and then we know that, then we go to our concept artist. So in this case, Max Fitzgerald, which hopefully a lot of you guys will be familiar with if you've heard of Turnip 28 or you've seen a lot of his work in uh, the Soulbound RPG yeah. um, and things like that. So we go to him with it and he works on that with us and, and now he understands their grounding. He brings things to their history. You then go to the sculptors and you explain all this to them and it means that the finished model has all of that within it. So if you glance at it, what our hope is, is you can get some of that. You don't need it force-fed to you. Um, but you look at it and go, oh, it's not just a high elf. Or it's not just a, a dark elf or a baddie or whatever. They've got more to them. But 
we want people to be able to kind of do whatever the hell they want with them from a painting point of view, right? There's no, can be whatever color you want. Like, you know, it can, it can be any style you want. There's no rules from that. Cause at the end of the day, we just wanted to make cool models for people to paint. You know, you've got paint in the business name. You've got, you know, you've got, got to back it up a bit. Right. Haven't you? And, and you know, the Andy brought this wonderful thing to the party where as a, as a competitive painter, who's worked on a lot of large scale models, he was able to go, right, we should do loads of leather on this model, more leather, less of that, less of that, more leather. And it means that if you want to get better at painting leather, oh, well, why don't you pick up the Hunter model? She's got tons of it on her. Yeah. That would be great for it. Oh, I want to get better at skin. Okay, well, this model will be great for you to practice that. Cloth, this model will be better for that. NMM, this model will be better for that. And it's, it's slightly selfish because it means when we teach classes in the future, we can use our own models, which is a buzz. Um, we've done it a few times. Um, but it also, it's going to make it easier for people to learn those those techniques on you know they're not they're not wanting to get better at skin and all their painting is a space marine head yeah you know so um, you- but sorry if i went on a bit of a rant about that i quite i'm quite invested in this project if I'm honest. that's great and i think that really shows through when you see the quality and, and i really like that about uh, and i've said this to ben a lot of times but it might have even said to you like what i love about cult of paint and the brand and the company is is the quality that runs throughout it. Um, mm. I really like that. And and to be honest, um, you know, Ben and I laugh and, and, and are a little bit unprofessional sometimes with, with the two Ps. But even there, we we try, we've, we've always tried to have like, a, we've got our logo, um, yeah. you know, and we, we, when I get around to posting things, we've got, <laughs> we've got our headings um, and yeah. we've got a structure. We're like that. And, and, I mean, I, I just, I just love the professionalism. Uh, I, I think it just looks fantastic, yeah. and it's not, it's not just there's a model. You, like you say, you've got a model. You thought about the background, the art cards that come with them. You know, mm. it's just fantastic. It's really cool. It's, I'm really glad that's come across. Like it, it's, it's been something that's been important to us from the very, very start. Was, was the the idea of a brand. We want an identity. We want that cleanliness. That because you know it's called cult of paint for many reasons but you want people to buy into it right i want people to wear a cult of paint t-shirt and like because they want it because it's cool because it's like a cool brand right you want to be associated with it and and that's what we want but means we have to back that up and make sure that it is a brand that you do want to support uh, and be with but from a point of view of um this campaign as i say we started it three years ago but what one very a decision we made fairly early on was you know <laughs> unless you're gw or you're making gw knockoff models that are cheap or you're making board games or something you're not getting rich doing this <laughs> right business it's not so as soon as you could put that to one side it meant that you could put everything into making the product as as quality as possible and it just meant bringing in the best people and that meant, you know, bringing in a concept artist that we knew we could work with that was fantastic, but also up and coming, which was something we were keen to do. Um, it meant using, in our opinion, the best sculptors and casters in the business. So big child creatives. Um, people might be aware of like Black Sailors, which was that pirate orc 
uh, range they've done a few of. They've just had a massively successful Kickstarter of their own, which was a riff on the Knights of the Round Table um, and the Camelot stuff. So we brought them in. We've we've, we've spent a lot of money on box art from like really, really awesome artists from all around the world because we love them and we want to see what our models look like if they paint them. But it means you guys get to see them painted to their, in our opinions, the best that people can do at the moment. Um, But then also, you know, the the design work. So we brought in a a designer to work with us on, you know, how do we present it as a campaign? You know, so uh, things like the mini videos we've created, that's all been done. We've brought someone in to do that because we can't, um, can now, but we couldn't at the time. So they do that. But even little things. So every character, uh, one of my best friends is a, a music a musician uh, and producer. So he's produced a piece of music for every single one of those characters, about 10 minutes worth of music for them, which we've only ripped 15 seconds off from each <laughs> for their little trailers. But all of those things make it a very rewarding process to go through for us anyway. Yeah. Like it's exciting, it's creative, it's, it's fulfilling. But I do think it will come across in the end product. And, and I, I was really nervous because, because the way we did the campaign was different to, I think, what you've seen with other miniatures releases and Kickstarter things. It, it was presented more like a video game or a, some sort of boutique item. And I really want hopes that when the campaign dropped, people would get it. They were like, why on earth are they showing us these like teasers and these graphics and these things? What's all any of that got to do with it? And we've seen GW start doing that, haven't we, in the last couple of years, probably? Yeah. I loved that one they did with the Scrag Rot um, yeah. and the, and the Gloom Spike Gits and, and things like that. But it was something we wanted to do. And, you know, we're not GW, but we know a lot of creative people. Let's see what we can we can put together mm-hmm. and it means we've ended up with this product that we're we're really proud of and people have bought into it and i don't just mean literally as in pledged which they have which is awesome um but we know now where we're going we we know now what us as a miniatures brand are going to look like and people now have an expectation so we now have an expectation of ourselves for the next one and the next one and the next one um so yeah it's good fun. I think um, I think what you're talking about there really emphasises something that comes across from them when I first saw them that they don't just appear like just they don't just appear like models. They 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 feel like something bigger, and I, I mm. kind of say this a lot about fantasy settings um, anyway. That the film films like I'm just give a really good example Willow. It, it's mm. just it's only an hour and a half, but it feels like there's a universe behind it. There's depth mm, to it that mm. is because George Lucas thought about it for years before he produced it. Um, and you don't need to be told, you know, where, what realm or kingdom, that good army that marches past Mad Mordigan is. You, you just know that there's history there and mm. that, mm. that, that, you know, there's, there's more depth to that. And I think that comes across really strongly in the range of figures that when you look at them, you feel like there's a whole culture behind them. There's a whole, mm. there's something more. Um, and then you can always tell when a model is just, I don't know, been done quickly that there's no real thought yeah. put into it. It's just dialed in, yeah. right? 
oh it's yes it's another generic barbarian or large busted female barbarian or whatever you know if you want those models good good on you but they're they're out there you can get them we did we had no desire in producing those um ourselves I, i've i was sort of waiting for this interview to chat about that a little bit more because i felt like this was an appropriate show yeah. to talk about it on um but the idea of sort of representation within these models is quite important to us as well and it was in our sci-fi range as well like mm. a lot of our characters are female characters um you know w- by the time the next range of elves is out, we're going to have seen elves from Central Africa, from Mesoamerica, yeah. from you know um, the Middle East, from the the Far East. And one personally, I I'm very supportive and keen on that type of thing. But I also think it's far more interesting for people to paint. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, let's not lose sight of that fact. Yeah. You know. Um, so they, they were, a, a, another one that we wanted to push, push, push on with. And, and it's, it's been really lovely to get the odd message from people who've got that. And we're not, we're not by no means going to try and ram it down people's throats. I don't think that's how you no. change perceptions. But when we got, do you remember the, um, convention that they did in Bristol a couple of years ago? Um, John did yeah. the, the one that thing he last, was it last year? Yeah, before Rolled, was, yeah, yeah. And we were we had the comp- painting competition down the end of the hall, and next to the table we had we had our sci-fi models painted there for people to look at, and uh, and Adam, one of the guys who come in a few classes and stuff, he fairly local, he come down, he brought his daughter down, and she, I, I'm ter- I don't have kids, I'm not terribly good at knowing what ages they are. I'm guessing she's like seven or eight, something like yeah. that, um, and she sort of was looking on the desk at these the sci-fi characters, and she was like, oh, who's who's that? I was like, oh well, that's the captain. She's, uh, you know, she's she's the captain of the ship, and this is her crew and stuff. She's like, she's a girl. And I said, yeah, yeah, she's a girl. And so's so's her uh, doctor here. She's this girl as well. And says, and she's like, oh, cool, like that. And that was nice, right? But again, it's it's tiny little moments like that, but those are very rewarding. And you know, it's the same with these some of these elf models. People have have picked up on that that there is more representation across the models and again it's it is rewarding it makes the process satisfying to 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 do but it's never ever to the detriment of producing cool looking models you know that's 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 got to be the end goal right yeah have all these lofty ideas or not lofty ideas really all these proper ideas (laughs) you know but you've got to make cool models um and and i it's we were probably quite hard to work with, um, with the artists and sculptors. They're all lovely. They all want to work with us again. So hopefully we weren't that awful. Um, <laughs> but what it does mean is that me and Andy know, we know we're happy with this end product. There honestly isn't anything we want to change about it. Um, there's things we do differently with regards to the, the process itself, but the models themselves, nah, they're exactly as we want them to look which is which is pretty cool a few people actually talking about printing a few people have asked like oh, are you going to release them as stls uh, so uh, 3d print files um and we're not and that's simply because i don't believe many people have the quality of printer or the ability to print um 
the models where I would be happy for someone to see that model and and the girl oh, that's a coat of paint model because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not it's not going to be you know we know we know the quality of these casts from Big Child you know we've got production casts off them we we've fact yeah, um, quality check them and all the rest we know what it's going to look like so when you open that box we know what you'll get at, at the other end of it um, which is which is really important so um something I wanted to ask was like so. 54, like for me, I suppose, um, I've always collected GW stuff or, mm. or smaller scales. Uh, and I didn't really do Inquisitor. Uh, so, so I'm looking at, cause I really, I, I think probably my favorite and I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to pronounce it very well. Is it, is it, <laughs> I don't have a clue in, in, Dr- okay. in Drihan, in, in, in Dryton. Yeah. Dryton, yeah. yeah. So, so I absolutely adore that. I think that is wonderful. Yeah. And and actually when I look at when I look at the model, I can see the rest of the world around him. I think that's what's so yeah, yeah. cool. That is yeah, so really immersive. Yeah. yeah, like you, you can you kind of thinking like what what is he looking at? Where is he stood? Where is he in a mountain range? You know, what what's going on there? He's contemplating. So the I'll be completely honest, the thing that gives me pause is I just don't feel like I've I've never painted a fifty four mil miniature, and I almost worry about like, yeah, uh, can I do it justice? Mm. Um, I'm I'm just wondering, like I, I I you know as you know I've signed up to the Patreon. Um, I haven't looked at it in the last sort of couple of weeks or whatever. But is there going to be a tie in with regards to painting? Yeah, definitely. So well, so already. Um we've unlocked a bunch of stretch goals, which are all tutorials for mm. the models. So I believe we've unlocked four, maybe five tutorials so far, um, which will all be sort of of the level you would expect from us. There uh, are very in-depth tutorials for all of them. Um, of course, on Patreon, we're going to be doing loads more on them, um, you know, um, it might just be specific parts you know it might be how do you paint hair on models right let's use the hunter bust model and we'll we'll work through how you paint hair and stuff like that um what i'd say about the 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 intimidation factor i think a lot of that and and this i get this too i don't paint many large-scale models you know um but the the intimidation factor so let's have a look this is the what's his name um Void Dragon lad. That's a 54 mil model right there. Mm. And you don't think twice about, well, maybe you do, but you know, you're painting that in your army already. Um, it is easier to paint 54 mil models than it is to paint 32 mil models. Look how much easier it is to paint a Primaris than it is to paint a normal Marine. I don't even know what they're actually starting. Astartes, right? <laughs> Thin Bloods, I think, is what the Chaos Space Marines used to call them. I'll stick with that one. Um, you, you will be able to practice your techniques more on the larger scale model. By the time you've finished it, you'll be a better painter than you were at the start of it. The notion of, oh, I don't know if I can do it justice, you never will. You'll never paint a model as well as you want, ever. I don't think. That might sound defeatist, but... I, I think if you, if you're trying to paint it the best you can, you probably never will. You can certainly paint a model and be really happy with it. Um, but 
<laughs> how, to, how to look at how you, how you paint it like that. You, If you don't have a go at it, you're going to end up with a big box of Inquisition figures that you've had for 12 years <laughs> yeah. that you're too scared to paint. And now you don't really want to paint because they don't look as good as the new models, right? Yeah. Um, you know, this, yes, these are bigger models, but they're not Forge World prices. No. You're looking at 30, 35 pounds for one of these models. And that's going to, you're going to have plenty of painting time on that. But again, they're 54. They are achievable. You can get it done. If you've got a weekend to put aside, if you get one of those blissful hobby weekends, no reason you can't start to finish one of their models. Yeah. You know, same time as it takes you to paint a Space Marine squad. That's, I mean, that's great to, because Space I'm really, squad in I really wanted to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really wanted to ask that just because I, I expect other people as well, but like yeah. I've, I've literally visited your Kickstarter again and again and again <laughs> mm, 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 with just that going through my head um so that's really but you're not to gonna me. you're not gonna use any different techniques than you do on your normal models you're you still you still and this isn't meant flippantly but you're still applying the paint in the same way mm. you still have to consider where is the light source you know how do i create contrast what type of contrast do i i want to create it's just the difference here is you know that you can paint the eyeballs <laughs> yeah. you know it's it's there's 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 more stuff to have fun with gareth nicholas does that on an eight mil model i mean yeah <laughs> I, I, I i i think it's appropriate you know i'm looking at my my that that's that you know i was saying oh i've painted those six six edition empire models it's just a base coat and a wash kind of thing but they do all have their pupils yeah. painted with the whites and the pupils in them kind of thing you know but whatever um 54 mil is a, is a very rewarding scale and it's a lot closer to stuff you've painted than you think. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, that's a deliberate choice by us to make it 54, not 75 mil. Yeah. Because what you might have is someone picks up a couple of these models because they, they like cult, they want to support us and they want to have a go. And they're almost using these models as a workbook to learn techniques. So they'll follow the tutorials or they'll come on Patreon or they'll do a class, whatever, or they'll just practice on but it will always be with a view for them to go back to painting their GW stuff. Mm. And that's great, but you're just, you'll just be better at it because you've, had, you've, you've been able to practice it more on this larger model. Mm. Other people, and I suspect fewer, but other people are going to come into it and go, gosh, there, there is a, a hobby world outside of GW. There is a hobby world outside of, of tabletop-sized miniatures. What else is there? And they'll be able to look at all these other wonderful brands um, that are pr producing, you know, Big Child, uh, Hera, these brands, you know, Black Sun, whoever producing these wonderful larger scale models. Um, and they can go and explore them and, and get into painting them. We're, we've been doing some live streams during the campaign and uh, next Saturday, or, or uh, Saturday the 21st, I don't know if I'm meant to give away when you record, sorry. Um, but, but Saturday the 21st, we, we'll be doing a live stream where we'll have a, a couple of the box artists on who people won't have seen at this time of recording. So all of our box arts, we've had secondary ones done as well. And they're all being released this final week of the campaign. Um, and a lot of those have been done by guys that aren't names, um, but are very good painters who we see as sort of up and coming painters. And we've always wanted with Cult to, to bring people through alongside us 
you know we want to create this new gen of of british hobby whatever you know the spaniards have had it for years the french guys have had it for years you know we want to create that that scene here as well and sort of nurture it but they they are relatively early on some of these guys in large-scale model painting so we're going to have them on on the live stream on saturday just to chat about it just to say how did they make that transition from painting um 32 mil moving up to 54 mil what what skills did they bring over what was helpful what wasn't helpful what was challenging that sort of thing so i think that will probably be helpful for people i think that sounds great i don't yeah. it's, it's not just me trying to you know sell it no so no. <laughs> i i um obviously we wanted to talk a lot about the kickstarter i think it's important uh also just to mention like i i really really enjoy the patreon videos and the youtube yeah. videos and, and there's loads there's loads of content there is loads of content out there uh of all different qualities mm. but i i think what i really appreciate is is like it's very succinct and so i think the one that sticks in my mind is the pin washing that you did Mm. Uh, and the thing you showed like the effects of the different types of varnish as well as the, the products mm. that you were using um and i've got bloody loads of these I, i'm gonna pick them up now and i'll have to tell people metal dishes these little metal dishes <laughs> i got loads of them things probably the most them. asked question yeah I, I love them i wish i was on commission you should be because they are brilliant, brilliant. I, i'm using them all the time although i am very lazy i've I've, I'm gonna, yeah. at some point I'm going to have a mass clean because I just me too I've got another Tupperware one. box right here full of them <laughs> yeah. yeah I just pour in clean spirits every few weeks and just yeah Absolutely. do that with it. but yeah so and, and I, I again I go back to professionalism and the, it's close enough as well that you can actually see where you're put. I remember watching Andy doing the white scar biker mm, mm. and he's talking about and he's and you can actually see him places in the brush strokes which makes it feel more accessible. Um, That's great to hear. I really that was really important. Yeah, it, it was really, really important. And the, the first thing we've done already, now, now that the Kickstarter's been successful and it's funded, the first thing we've done is we've just ordered a load of new filming equipment because we want to. We're not happy with it yet. We want, we want it. We want it crisper. We want it this. But yeah, the the close-up nature was really, really important. There's far too many painting videos, in my opinion. I might get a bit Ben here. I might get a tiny bit soapboxy. Um, but <laughs> there's, far too, there's far too many YouTube videos supposedly about how to paint, which spend 10 minutes looking at the person, waffling about what they're about to do. Just get on and do it. Um, and then painting it where obviously this is radio so you can't see but yeah where you where you're basically you've got the entire desk in the shop mm. it's not helpful like i get it i'm being a bit salty there there's some wonderful channels out there and don't get me wrong but that was one of the things we wanted to do just what you've said dan is is so you, you can hopefully see what we're talking about the other thing so things like the pin washing video i cannot stand some of the gatekeeping we get in this hobby when oh, it comes yeah. to painting yeah um 100 agree it's it's not hard right it's it's not it's not complicated right none of the techniques are it just takes understanding the theory and then practicing it right? any anyone can get there and i know this because i've had people come on classes three or four years ago who were dreadful painters and four years later they're now really good painters they're going to win golden demon no 
but they're producing fantastic looking models. All right. They don't have this innate skill or an easy way of understanding colors or anything like that, but they have application and they, and we have managed to work with them and, and help them understand things in a way that makes sense to them to, to, to improve their painting. And there's this, yes, it's just this thing that really gets me going with, with this gatekeeping around certain techniques um, or as if, you know, painting with oils is the second coming of, hobby jesus and all the, all the rest of it when it's, it's the oldest painting of models anyway i believe was oil paints and things like that there are there's nothing new under the sun nobody's inventing it to the best of my knowledge anyway nobody's inventing anything people are people are pushing it people like say kirill um Kanaev is pushing nmm every few months it's something we've never seen before and and then you get someone like bohan come along who 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 does a style that we perhaps haven't seen in miniatures painting before, um, but we've seen in traditional art and, and those sorts of things. Um, you've got the Iron Sleek guys who bring that really cool sort of noir style yeah. to, to miniature paint. But again, and this is, I love them and this is not detrimental to them at all, but it's, it's not new. It's, it's just bringing that into miniatures painting again. Um, and yeah, so I think the idea with the videos was, it's the same with our classes is a lot of what we paint, a lot of what we teach isn't necessarily how me and Andy like to paint for our personal pleasure. It's teaching the techniques. It's teaching the theory. It's trying to present it in a way that we think is digestible and then go and do whatever the hell we want with it. You know, it's, that's none of our business yeah. kind of thing. And it's, it's really, I suppose the most succinct way I can put it is it's, it's what I wish there had been when I got back in the hobby. Yeah. It's a resource I wish was there when I got back. Yeah. In. Um, you know, this bookshelf, as well as having tons of old Weimar books on, it's full of painting books by different, different um, authors, you know, some traditional painting, miniatures, painting, all of that. All the info's there. Basically what we do is spend a lot of time <laughs> digesting it and then thinking, okay, what's going to be relevant to, Dan, who wants to paint his salamanders and what's going to be, you know, who's, who's got three hours a week to spend on his hobby. And he doesn't want to spend that reading and analyzing these books and doing all the rest of it kind of thing. And that's sort of where we see our, our role in a lot of things as well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad that's come across. And I think just as a, you know, a, a final point about the stuff that you're offering, um, obviously at the moment you can't do the in-person classes, Mm. But once you can again, if anyone's listening and is not, because I wasn't sure about going to a painting class. Um, it, it's funny because I think the one I went to was, it was about a hundred pounds, I think. Um, and, you know, you think about all the models you could buy and all the rest, but I, the I store in the box underneath the desk. Exactly yeah. that. That's what I was going to say. So <laughs> I, I have to say that, um, that hands down, is the the best value hundred pounds I've spent in the hobby in the time I've been in it was going to that class because mm. it, there's something it, uh, everybody learns different ways obviously people learn lots of different ways I I, I very much uh, like to be shown in yeah. person it, so it's classroom setting yeah it suited me absolutely perfectly but the, the stuff that we went through there you know it's, it's things about holding that tank and angling it to do the angles, you know, so you, with the airbrush, so you don't hit the other sides and, um, mm. and the weathering and the stuff around transfers that, that you showed us. 
you know i use all that to this day all the time mm. just naturally it's just all in the toolkit and and i i would i would encourage anyone to go on one of those i just think it's just fantastic really useful stuff and it changed you know i still am quite ben calls me a box art wanker that's what he said <laughs> because i will i will often go base coat wash you know layer layer edge whatever but up until that point that was all i did um i'll tell you what it's akin to my friend Ant, when i was about 11 up to that point i'd only ever listened to stuff like elton john and i got in the car and he put you, you got to wait and see where this is going he put uh chemical brothers followed by rage against the machine on and it just blew my mind and ever since then i just loved that and it just changed perspective overnight and it was just like that you know i went from uh you know base layer whatever to okay actually i'm just going to grab the airbrush a minute and then i'm going to grab a bit of oil then i'm going to just wash a bit of this in bit of powder on there but yeah it's, uh, i think i've gone wax serious about no. it but really good gw have got a fantastic system and they've got fantastic often free tutorials about about how to use it and and we use it but there is other stuff but because gw is such a strong presence you know it is the recruiter for our hobby it a lot of people only know the gw way using the gw products so a lot of our classes focus around just what else is out there yeah. Not this is the way to do it, but just these are ways you can do it. Um, and again, that's something I've always, how I like to approach my painting is I enjoy the processes. I enjoy learning new techniques. I may not like the result, but I'll enjoy the process. And usually you'll learn something sort of a lot along the way with it. Um, and yeah, for me, I'm like you, Dan, like classroom setting. That's how I learn. Like sit me down tell me what to do i'll watch you yeah love it leave me alone to like study on my own it's hard like i, start, I get distracted yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> well hopefully then you know this bloody virus can move along and then we can get oh. back to some some classes mm. yeah big time we will be back as soon as we can be make sure you've got t-shirts in like dustbin bag size though for me no, uh, we not have, by the time we have, it comes back. We have you'll... t-shirts and hoodies from small through to triple XL. I, I think I might get into triple XL now. Oh yeah, we've got tons of merch, mate. Don't worry about that. <laughs> well, by, by the and time, because we haven't done classes this year, my spare bedroom is full of frigging merch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. My wife's like, where, "Where are all these hoodies going?" I'm like, mm. <laughs> "Sorry." <laughs> I love it. <laughs> to be fair though ben by the time the courses restart you'll just want like a tank top that you can tear out of like some kind of oh yeah actually we dog. need to get you like a you know like at the intermission at the cinema there the little trays around there yeah we'll get you one of them and i'll just send you around firestorm car park painting while we're i'll we'll do the demo and then you can you can do another marathon while you're painting some, <laughs> oh, some greens or whatever. Because that's, that's, I don't know if you've had an episode since you did that, because that was bloody impressive. I, oh, we definitely have, have we? No, that was good. That was... Yeah, well done, mate. 
I, I couldn't I, 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 day, but <laughs> literally couldn't. But full on shaming me into sorting myself out, especially this week. We've had Joe Wicks quoted on our Twitter, and every time the Twitter goes bling, I just see Joe Wicks, and I'm like, oh my god! What a legend, though, man! Twenty four hours of PE, and he gave his beans right. all the way through it. You know, he's just such a positive person, and I love positive people. I think they're brilliant. Mm-hmm. They kind of counteract my natural inclination to be a bit glum. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I I got to say, I said it to you both privately. I might as well say it now while I'm on the show. Like, it's it's one of the reasons I enjoy listening to the podcast so much is because it's it is like those nostalgia, Dan. It's like that nostalgic early days Whammer podcast, which were just people who love the hobby chatting about the hobby there's not really any agenda um and it comes across well and i think it's it's sort of quite uh something that you know a year into this disaster or whatever it is we've lost a lot of podcasts mm. right they haven't they've just gone by the wayside whether that's because people aren't gaming or they aren't meeting up or they aren't whatever but you guys are still going and just pumping out that sort of and it's not this silly uh what's the word was was it when it's false positive um you know what i mean it's genuine basically mm. what i'm saying the enthusiasm and, and positivity is genuine and it's uh it's been great so it's like i say you guys and honest wargamer twitch i think are the only the only ones i really have, have stayed in the loop with um because it, it feels like that listening to your mates while you're hobbying kind of thing which is uh there's no bad thing it's kind of what we're aiming for thanks henry we appreciate that dude. thank you right well Thanks, buddy. I really appreciate it, especially when I randomly managed to stop recording and now it's like <laughs> 10 to 12 You're going to tell people why why that happened or not? Yeah, go what, on. Because, gonna... because the computer got was so full of me downloading STL files that it had no space left, <laughs> which is a ridiculous situation to be in. But... printed two, two days? One day. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah I got hours. it. You'll have a bookshelf, a bookshelf with uh, <laughs> external hard drives with like <laughs> one terabyte hard drives of STL files. Yeah, that is what's going to happen. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, no, we really appreciate it. Absolutely chuffed for you that the Kickstarter has gone so well. Really pleased. Um, yeah, us too, man. Thanks, everybody who's backed us. It's uh, Yeah, thank you ever so much. And depending on when this goes out, go and back it now. because it's Yeah, not they over. should have a couple of days. So it should, it should go out on Wednesday. Um, most people listen to it within the first three or four days so. yeah you can tell actually that you you've obviously been a, a very engaging person to have on harry because i am still actually wide awake normally i'm asleep by this time. i don't know how i'm awake mate i i'm, I'm running on fumes <laughs> yeah. since this puppy arrived i don't think i don't think i've seen the wrong side of 10 p.m for a long time now until it's inevitably 1 a.m and I'm stood in the garden, freezing my ass off, waiting for it to <laughs> do a business. So, yeah. That is one of the. I only moved. I only moved to this part of the world just over a year ago. How good are the skies around here at like one a.m. in the morning? It's a great part of the world. Like, yeah, southwest is best. Hurrah! Absolutely. <laughs> Right. Oh, that makes me think, actually, I was going to finish up there, but I was when you were talking about um, the elves and from all over the all over the world and the different cultures, Mm. Ornish Dwarf 
Cornish dwarf. Cornish dwarf. That's what we want. C- Cornish dwarf. Yeah, well, but we I need think, a halfling. I think we're going to go. Halfling would be good yeah. with a probably a, a an archetypal Norse-ish dwarf, berserker type dwarf. I think. But the second one, I'm really. I've got some. I think some interesting ideas of where we've not seen dwarves from before. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I might, and if they sell well, then Andy will have to say it's okay to do more of them, <laughs> especially because I've done like bloody twenty elves now. So yeah, you know. pickaxe and a pasty. Pickaxe and a pasty. That's what we want. <laughs> Well, that's, that's the name of your autobiography. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> that, that should, that should, yeah, that's a good idea. Actually, I like that. <laughs> there are some, you know, you, night out in Camborne, and you see some that look a bit like a dwarf woman. That's another hobby I got on the go at the minute. I like what, going out at night in Camborne and things. No, no, no. <laughs> I was just saying. I found my grand, uh, one of my granddad's old uh, axes in the shed recently. Uh, I'm going to have a go at restoring that. Oh, I did. That should be just as a, a completely nothing to do with our hobby. But my family has been <laughs> completely obsessed for the last month with a channel called My Mechanics. Um, no sound at all. Uh, no, he doesn't talk. He just gets an object and he restores it from absolute crap heap to uh, basically Beautiful. brand new. And he will machine the pieces that are broken. And it's my mechanics, honestly, it's worth it. I'll check it out. Absolutely superb. And he does a T-shirt that um, that says, um, I make a new one because he's Swiss. So his English is a little broken. It just says, I make a new one because he'd be like, this is knackered. I make a new one. And he just makes a new screw. And you're like, who can just make a new screw? <laughs> That's it, right. That's it. Says the man who's green stuffed how many beards now? One, oh, four, five. <laughs> There we go. Yeah, I make a new one. <laughs> so there we go. Let this, um, let's let Henry go to bed so we can do with the dog. <laughs> it's been a pleasure having you on, dude. Awesome. Thank you. No, thanks ever so much for having me on, chaps. Really enjoyed it. And we are now going to go into the wilds. Ah. <laughs> So, um, welcome to Into the Wilds. Now, I'm introducing, but I should imagine that it will take Dan probably less than 15 seconds to interrupt me and 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 start talking about what it is we're talking about. So, he's pulling an eyebrow at me now. So, we are going to talk about, because his face is all contorted, um, biscuits. 10 millimeter high mega biscuits! <laughs> <laughs> so, so excited we uh, it's happened it's happened dude we have been fans of um of gareth nicholas's work since um well since we started doing this podcast before for a long long time when he was games workshop sculptor when he was golden demon painter um but he has currently been producing a range of 10 millimeter Warmaster models that was the final tipping point into Dan's eternal plunge into millimeter 
gaming. Yeah, um, absolutely. So um, some of you, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you likely have heard me mention Warmaster every now and then. Not not loads, um, but I've always kind of maintained it's my favourite game. Um, and it is. And now I'm doing it again. And back and on. and and the thing to be honest, the the barrier, the barrier to me jumping back into it, uh, amongst many great things that are coming out at the moment and all the rest of it, had been finding um, a t- complete army, a range of miniatures that was consistent and of good quality. Um, and yeah. then Gareth has done the Forest Dragon Patreon. So very worth checking it out. Uh, started out with a wood elf um, aesthetic army. And they're incredible. They really are incredible. And um, uh, and then he's gone on to a vampire aesthetic and soon we'll be doing chivalrous knights. So um, they're pretty, pretty cool <laughs> as well. So the models are really good, really characterful. But actually, it's opened my eyes to loads of other other companies as well which i'll go on to talk about um for those that don't know Warmaster was made uh by games workshop it was written by rick Priestley a um, number of years ago now uh and it, it features models in the 10 millimeter scale so a lot smaller it's a grand scale war game so uh, although on a base on a stand it's usually consists of a couple of strips of miniatures of six models in each strip but that's only representative so it's written with the idea that actually one unit represented a regiment, um, including a lot of its hangers on and stuff like that as well. So um, and then it's it's much it's a lot about the command and how you move your models around the table and utilizing your generals and heroes in such a way to get the best from your soldiers um, uh, with, with much more overview. So, for example, uh, everything if you're if you're attacking something that's in the open you hit it on a four plus it doesn't matter if you're a zombie or an elf you hit it on a four plus because it's not about the minutiae of how good the individual things are certain things get more attacks might roll more dice to represent the fact that they're they're better in some way um but the rolls are just you know quite straightforward um, there's obviously loads more more to it than that but one of the cool things is still played in a six by four battlefield so you, you know massive massive battlefield and it allows me to scratch that itch that loves um a ranked up army uh and it just looks lovely and it's so not it's so nice to be returning to the old world and people that have listened to the podcast will know i wax lyrical about the mortal realms at any opportunity absolutely love the mortal realms um, there's no salt here around the loss of the old world because it's not dead. <laughs> it lives on um, in all these sort of games and everything. So, uh, yeah. And essentially what we're going to do, Dan, uh, and myself and Tom, um, and we'll hopefully get some of the other, I know Ben's looking to do some dwarves, but what we're hoping to do, there's a campaign or, or, or background where Heinrich Kemmler, uh, raises an army and and goes off to um i think he's going to sack bretonia but then because it's winter he thinks oh hang on i'll have a go at the wood elves or something uh, and so essentially we're going to do we're thinking we're going to redo that sort of thing um with it um warmaster oh one of the other 
things that phrases I've coined recently. Warmaster wasn't dead. It was just sleeping, awaiting the arrival of contrast paints. Um, because <laughs> painting 10 mil with contrast is it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Um, it's a bit, it, it's almost as good as the concept of tartan paint. You just put it on and it's just, it just looks amazing. Um, so manufacturers wise, there's so many now. So got to give a shout out to Cromarty Forge, um, John. Uh, it's the actual website is Centimeter Warriors. So he does, he does uh, a few ranges. He's got um, Viking, Undead Vikings. So they're very reminiscent of the Wild Walkers and stuff from Game of Thrones. They've got some cool stuff along those lines. Um, he also does uh, Woodland Pict- Pictishers, which are like kind of wood elfy type things as well. Um, the one that I'm most excited by is he does Dwarf STLs. Um, to download for 3D resin printing, and they look really good. And he's just done uh, Dwarf Warriors with round shields, which just looks so good. They look like they've marched out of Karaz or Karak and are going to sort of lay siege with their axes into people. Um, so, and some cool scenery as well. Just some cool scenery. Um, then there's also Trolls Under the Bridge. They're, they do, um, they call it Erebos. So it's like your chaos kind of trope going on there they've got some lovely models in there for that um and you've got other 10 mil manufacturers the likes of pendraken who do some fantasy models Callistra do some fantasy models so there's quite a wide range out there um there's some great stuff online uh excellent miniatures mustn't forget excellent miniatures and printing in detail um so those guys so one thing that's a common theme that i've mentioned and we haven't really gone into yet there's a there's a rather snazzy little piece of space age technology sat next to my computer here um, in a lovely shade of red. Because I do love red, as you all know. Uh, so Ben and I um, have invested in an Elegumars 2 Pro 3D printer. Um, and it's like freaking magic. It's so cool. I've only printed one thing on it, but it is so cool. So a lot of the stuff we're talking about. So uh, Gareth's Patreon, um, John at Cromarty's Dwarves, um, Moon Jammy, who does uh, some Dark Elves, Shadow Elves. They are STL files for 3D printing. Now, importantly, don't let that be a barrier if you're not into that, because um, firstly, do be into that because it's bloody cool. And then secondly, there are, so printing in detail and excellent miniatures are two examples of companies who print those files. They have a license to print on behalf of those sculptors. And I have to say, having seen some of the sort of excellent miniatures do a a sort of a Protonian-esque range, and I ordered a Green Knight lookalike of them, uh, and Tom's picked up some stuff. And and the detail is, is just madness. And then you get the stuff from printing in detail. Oh my goodness me. I just couldn't get over it. I, I actually just sat and I don't, I'm not lost for words for very often. And I sat and just looked at my vampire lord, just sat there and looked at him because I was just like, I just, wow, 
what happened was I thought I'll just buy one. <laughs> I'll just buy the Vampire Lord just to paint up and have on the side because he looks cool. And that's uh, expanded rapidly to the point of having unit of skeletons. Not a unit. No, that's a lie. Four units of skeletons because that's a brigade. And four units of zombies, which are nearly finished now. Need to crack on. Uh, a baleful carriage. So you're kind of black coach. Um, but you will definitely see some posts. Have seen some posts. That That's how excited I am. I've even done some posts, which is pretty incredible in its own right. Um, yes, it is. <clears throat> thank you, Mr. Hall. Um, sorry, you're more than welcome. Sorry. Uh, but you will see some stuff around... 3D resin printing, probably some rage as well. But um, so I set that up yesterday and printed. It comes with a little file to print these little rook things, um, chess pieces, and they printed out, and it was amazing. I was so excited, Ben. I just kept coming upstairs and having a peek and seeing them growing out of the resin, and I'm like, oh my god, they're so good. So you know, like when you see stuff, it's a bit like you see an advert, right? for a Big Mac. And when you get one and open the box, it looks a bit shit, doesn't it? Comparatively. Because <laughs> yes. you've got like a lovely one on the poster and then the one in, it looks like... Yeah, but you know those ones aren't actually made of food? The, the photographs? Yeah, I know that, but that's, you know... I, I'm, what I'm talking about is expectation versus reality. Like photographs so, of cereal is PVA glue, isn't it? That they yeah, do oh, yeah. Glue. And pizza. They do that on pizza. They cut a slice... And then they put in like um, glue or like the stuff you put around baths, so that when you pick it up, it stretches to look like mozzarella. How is that not false advertising, by the way? I don't know. Oh, and they screw the pizza down. The rest of the pizza screw it down to the wood so it can't move because that would just look naff. And... But anyway, yeah, it's a bit naff. That, that's this has gone on a tangent. So anyway, the expectation versus reality those little chess pieces spot on spot just unbelievable i send you one i got two because it comes out too i can have to send you one down but i quite like what i'm seeing is i've paid like half the damn thing <laughs> yes yeah well yeah. <laughs> i don't know how you talked me into it being on your desk dan well we've already agreed well I had agreed that when we get the FDM style, you could have that one. But I must admit now I'm getting the bug. I'm like, ooh, ooh. The other day I was thinking, well, I wonder how much stuff I'd have to sell each week to afford to buy one of the badass commercial ones. Your kidney? Yeah, probably, yeah. 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 Mm. Shame there's not like a big sort of market in just excess body fat, isn't there? There probably is. They sell it for soap and Fight Club or something. Do they? Well, they nick it. <laughs> they nick it from the bin, don't they? From the liposuction clinic and turn it into soap. Areas. <laughs> All right, I'll be on to that later. Um, I've I've got so excited. I've just witted and lost my train of thought. So. Uh, Let's talk about because we've you've, you've done an excellent job of, of sort of covering off where we've got the mo- models from. And if you don't mind, before we sort of shuffle on, I'd like to um, give my two pence on them. So the the dwarf STLs are, from Cromarty Forge really are very very nice. 
Um, I particularly like, actually, I know they've just done the round shield ones, but I quite like the other ones um, with a sort of uh, heater shield kind of shape shield because I think it makes them quite unique. Um, but they look really cool. Um, really like them a lot. I think one of the standouts for me is excellent miniatures. They've got they got a really quite a good range of models there for for um, for for Warmasters. So they've got the Wood Elves, Empire, um, Vampire Counts, Epic Beasts, and Elven Nobles um, all ready to go. I I think the Elven Nobles are pretty awesome to be honest, Dan. And they nearly they know tickled my idea of um doing a high elf army in 10 millimeter scale but um what's that i'll think about it they're lovely i think for me i i wouldn't want to start collecting something if i didn't if i wasn't confident that the full range was going to be available so um the 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 interesting thing about war mass it's got very defined army lists so um there's usually only sort of 12 different unit types, if that. Uh, and what's nice is all of the these manufacturers are clearly working to that sort of idea mm. and are creating those things. So Gareth, for example, is looking at releasing an army over a three-month period. Um, and so if we take the undead or the vampire list. Um, so he, we know that December, he's already said and confirmed, December we're looking at a vampire lord on some kind of beastie. Um, yeah. And um, some black knights or, or skeleton heavy cavalry and um, spirit hosts, because those are the three things at the moment you can't get from him for that army that, that are in the list. Yeah. Um, and like the, the wood elves are the same. And that, you know, the, the great thing is much like blood bowl, I suppose is despite the game, not, not being made by games workshop anymore. There's a wonderful, wonderful um, community side yeah. of it going on um really 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 nice and um that so this the the war master revolution is the rule set so essentially um war master is a set of rules published by rick Priestley um way back when and then they made war when games workshop was still making while there was still such a thing as warhammer historical and they were making rules for for historical armies. Um, you got Warmaster Ancients, which was seen in some respects as the second edition of Warmaster, incorporated some differences and changes and things in it. And then um, you also got Warmaster, I think, me- medieval armies. Mm. Um and the Warmaster Armies Compendium. And what Warmaster Revolution does is, is people have got together and kind of pushed those things together to create a an, a more up-to-date 
version of the fantasy type. Now, interestingly, the Warmaster mechanic is adopted in a lot of different games. So Warlord games who make um, Black Powder for Napoleonic Gaming and Hail Caesar, those both of those rule sets, heavily influenced by Warmaster, um, take a lot from its command and control elements. Uh, and Rick involved in those. Uh, and also then there's a series of games, the Commander series, so Blitzkrieg Commander, Cold War Commander. Um, I don't. I think there might be Medieval Commander. I might mm. have just made that up. Um, it would sound cool, doesn't it? But those those <laughs> are also Blitzkrieg Commander is a World War Two set, a game based on the Warmaster core mechanic, uh, and Cold War Commander fairly self-explanatory at this point. Um, yeah, and I really like it. And it's really nice to be doing it. Dan's quite excited. Um, I've I've just been in between recording sections and stuff. I I'm currently getting all trying to bring some order to all the different SDL files from the Forest Dragon Patreon. Because what's really nice is all the miniatures are coming. That all the sculpts are pre-supported, so you don't have to faff around putting supports in. Um, and uh, also they come with some individuals as well. So you can print out like a single skeleton or a single elf or what have you. Um, and they come so that you can add your own supports if you want to. So yeah, there's a few different options in each one, but that means there's lots of files. <laughs> yeah. And what's quite nice as well is it's quite, as I understand it, and, I, and I'm right on the cusp of 3D printing knowledge, like I, I'm starting to read about it more, but it's quite simple from a user perspective, at least, to have, for example, you know, um, you've got your, like, say, High Elves, for example, and you've got your shield. And if you want an embossed design, you know, you can create it's possible to get the different ones, the different embosses and put them onto the, the one sort of. Yeah. Flat shield. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what's really interesting as well. And this, and this is where 3d sculpting is so exciting. And I, I've been looking up a couple of things and, and obviously I don't, I don't really have the time to put into it sadly, but you know, you look at the zombies the zombies that Gareth's done, and, and I'll put some more pictures up. And they look brilliant. Loads of different designs in there, um, funny things going on. Like there's one which is like wielding a blade in one hand and then under its other arm is its head, which I think is quite funny. Um, and there's uh, one with a frying pan and a bone to use as a drum, uh, which is quite cool. But what he's done... And what you can see is you you can make you can go right there's zombie a and actually i can just take zombie a and mirror him to make zombie b and then put them in different places in the unit on the strips and actually i've done two now you know and then you mm. can take zombie c and give him a different weapon and mirror him because yep. you can because that's how there's a free sculpting um and so Gareth, the patron, is what Gareth does now. Re really 
really good. I, yeah, I, you know, I really hope, as we do with with everyone we talk about on the podcast, we, you know, we we tend we talk about them because we have interacted in some way with them or their products, and would love to help and support them very much with with um gareth i really hope people go and have a look yeah please do because you know i'd hope you know even if just one extra patreon goes on from listening to this that would be wonderful because i think i think what he's doing is great and and that's the case of all these manufacturers actually you know Mm. To, to to manufacture something for a niche within a niche yeah. is is pretty special to take the time to go out and do that so to try and support them is really yeah. good yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and um he he's keeping up a good pace as well so it's you know it's a patreon that um if you support it you, you get a lot back from well, it's eight pound fifty a month. Yeah. Okay. To stay up to date. So, the stuff that's come out already, you, it's only available. The back catalogue is only available to a certain point, to do with bandwidth and uh, lots of reasons. Uh, but also, you know, you've got to think about the costs of these things and stuff. So. But if you join up to the Patreon, you get, I think it's like something like 40% off the cost of the individual STL files. And then you're not talking, they're not really expensive. Like a mm. unit of L's might be a fiver, maybe. Yeah. For the, for the. It's, it's the also STL. worth bearing in mind that the that's an STL for a fiver. So yes. if you have a printer, that's, that's unlimited numbers. So how much resin you've got, effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then it's £8.50. And for that, you just, you know, on average, you're talking three or four units a month. Mm. Now, obviously, you've got an initial outlay. The printer's 275 quid. The resin, half a litre of resin was... But it's actually Amazon have got a flash sale on it at the moment. It's £16, but it's normally 21 So you've got some initial outlays, obviously. But actually then, when you start to think, well... You know, if I went and play a game, I go and play a game of Warmaster, and I think next time I'd like to try out three units of knights. <clears throat> Click. <laughs> Print them out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's very exciting. And that's well, well, before you even start, you know, we, we won't go into it massively now because it'll come up in hobby desks in the future, but that's before you start then going on to things like Thingverse, Yegi and and uh, uh, Miniature Market and stuff and seeing how much stuff is produced and a lot of it for free. Mm. Yeah. You know, for, there's um... a Skaven army that's available that's, that's, that's free downloads. Yeah. Uh, you know, then you go and look and you start looking at the sort of six mil scale stuff, 40k and yeah, yeah, for, for epic and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um can I can I just uh, talk about something before we go? We've been contacted by a, a, a group of guys who wanted us to sort of uh draw to draw draw our attention to their sort of new release products, if you don't mind. 
Yeah, no, it's fine. So we were talking about Blood Bowl, um, and this is uh, War Games Company, Dan, on Instagram. Um, I was just quickly flash you the link because uh, I wasn't prepared enough to do that at the start of the episode. Um, and they have been working on a, a new range of fantasy football miniatures um, that is more narrative driven um than blood bowl um and a little bit more grimdark um so when they produce a team there, there's no replication across the team and each one of those individuals has has a backstory um about where they've come from so so far they've been working on um looks like mainly like a nurgle style um like diseased arm team uh where each of the characters has a story about how they became infected with this plague and became, you know, the, zomb- the zombie kind of thing that they are now. They've um, releasing it as a Kickstarter and they've been putting out kind of little little stories and comic books and the models shots um, sort of every day um, or every couple of days on Instagram at the moment. It's the, the place I've kind of come across them. We just moved on to like a slan sort of frog army called um, Pedaria's Ancestors. And uh, they've created this world for them to sort of inhabit and then um, the background been fleshed out from that. So if, you, if you're interested in um, Blood Bowl or, uh, you know, fantasy football and fantasy sort of a slightly different take on it, um, it, it's worth a look. I think some of the models are pretty, pretty awesome, to be honest. Um, when you actually see the whole pandemic team together, it, it's um, it's it's quite cool seeing a complete variety across the team. You know, every model is different. Um, that's quite nice. Um, and they'll be launching their Kickstarter in the new year. If you're interested in that, mm. that's nice to see, isn't it? As well, it is. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. So um, I think that uh, that about draws us to a close, doesn't it? I think it does. I think um, that, yeah, there's some exciting stuff to come. Yeah, there's lots lots of exciting stuff to come. Um, it sounds like your computer's trying to hover itself off the desk. It is. It's powering up. <laughs> I've never heard it before. All right, so... Um, Hopefully now we will be looking at producing an episode for the middle of December um, so that we won't have uh, an episode over Christmas uh, and then we'll catch you again in the middle of January too. Um, What I'd like to focus on next month as part of the episode, because we were contacted um, this week by a chap who is a... Uh, new dad and um, to be honest we get contacted quite a lot really like not by direct messenger certainly people comment um, that they you know they appreciate our perspective on parenting and hobbying and trying to smash it together Um, and I figured that we would be quite a cool idea to to actually put that into an episode um, for people to to sort of hear our thoughts condensed into one place so that we can point people to it um and if you are a, a parent who hobby 
juggles at the same time. Um, it would be awesome to hear your kind of thoughts or tips or or hints that you could you know could give a new parent, um, particularly brand new parent, because it, it's out of a shock. <laughs> Yes. Second, second one you kind of know what's coming but the first one it, it's a it's a bit of a upheaval um so if if you've got any thoughts or hints or tips or things that you did um that helped you know helped you sort of stay sane in the hobby or you know even even sort of whether or not you did hobby when you had a kid you know be really awesome to hear from you um you had, little, there's, sorry go on I think my little anecdote of stories when when my first one was born, um, he refused to sleep anywhere other than on my chest. And if I fell asleep, he'd wake up. Um, so I spent the first night, first 24 hours awake um, with the darling little boy on my chest <laughs> thinking, oh, you know, this is uh, this is lovely and great, um, but I'm exhausted. Um, there must be something I can do at the same time. And I worked out that he had absolutely no trouble with me um, playing on my PlayStation while he was asleep on my chest. So I managed to cover off 125 hours plus of Skyrim in the first week and a half, um, which gives you a good idea of how little I slept <laughs> for the first couple of weeks. Um, but I've never played a computer game so c- continuously before or since that. Um, but that, that's my kind of little, and it's not a hobby, ho- hobby sort of solution but it's a solution to um dealing with dealing with newborns but would love to hear, hear other people's kind of anecdotes or thoughts my little boy spent the first month at uh, month first week along with harrier in hospital so i was on paternity leave at home thinking this new children this new child stuff is uh spot on i was boshing out the paint in loving it yeah. <laughs> Full sense of security. Then he came home. <laughs> yeah. Well, there yeah, we go. To so- be honest, it doesn't matter what happens. You cannot beat that feeling when, like, they want to... When he comes in and he's looking and he's like, those are cool models, Daddy. And I'm like, yes, they are, son. Yes, they are. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's awesome, isn't it? Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll save all that for the next episode. It's been awesome to um, be back after our little hiatus, but we have to be honest, um, this pandemic is, is, is difficult in the professions that we're in. Um, so uh, it, it can be a bit overwhelming at times. So we apologise that it's been a bit intermittent, but hopefully it will get better. We're getting better at planning. Um, You're getting better at planning. I'm getting better at turning up <laughs> and yeah. staying awake and staying awake. So we'll, um, we'll see you for the next episode. Bye guys.